I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. Earbudsnetwork.com. Welcome to Hunting Seasons, a podcast about two friends catching up on notable television shows one season at a time. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing season one of Firefly. And I say season one as though there is another season of Firefly. You never know, man. You never know. Keep the hope alive. Don't stop the signal. That's from the movie. That's that we can't talk about that. It's promo for the thing that's not the television show. Spoiler alert. How are you, Damask? I'm good. Yeah. I mean, it's like a million degrees outside, but other than that, I'm good. Better in here, which is good, although we are under lights because we're recording this on video. What? How exciting is that? This is our 50th episode of Hunting Seasons, and so to celebrate, we're doing a couple of things. Number one, we're talking about a show that is sort of a cult classic that Mm -hmm. at least I think we both like a lot. Yes. Well, we'll find out when we get into the discussion of it, which is good. Um, and we're also experimenting with something new. We are going to record the podcast, obviously, for video. So if you're listening to this on audio, it's going to feel the same to you, probably. Um, slightly different mic, slightly different setup, so it might sound slightly different. You're missing different. out if you're just listening, because we are both completely naked. Exactly. Um, we're bringing a whole new element I'm to the I'm only wearing Jane's hat. Yeah, and looking good, by the way. Thank you. And Thank you are you wearing much. it on your penis, which is a nice little... <laughs> touch it's impressive that it fits that's the amazing (laughs) thing um wow this went downhill quick why did we choose to do video uh you like your little kaylee outfit your little uh look i barely tried i put on some overalls you know that's fine and an army green top she never wore glasses in the show so well I wear glasses, so there we go. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, if you're interested, if you listen to the audio version of the podcast, you want to check out and see what we look like, you poor souls, um, it'll be in the link. It'll be a link in the description, uh, the show notes and stuff like that to find mm-hmm. it there. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, you should be able to find it, hopefully, for searching for Hunting Seasons and Firefly should work. <laughs> We're still figuring this stuff out. <laughs> anyway, know. in the spirit of figuring things out, let's get into it. Spoiler warning, on this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in all of Firefly's complete run. Before listening, we recommend watching all of Firefly, including the follow-up movie Serenity, though we're going to try avoiding talking about that if possible. I don't think we're going to need to talk about it at all. Look, I won't be able to talk about it because I haven't seen it in a million years. So I mean, I could. I've seen it a while ago, but I know it word for word, so, you know, whatever. Um, but for your sake, we'll, we won't talk about it. If you've not yet watched Firefly, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Some facts and figures for you. Firefly is a Fox original sci-fi western comedy drama series created by Joss Whedon, most famous for also creating Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, as well as more recently directing the first two Avengers movies and stepping in to take over the first and possibly only Justice League movie. (laughs) The show first aired on September 20th, 2002, making... 
this year, 2017, Firefly's 15th anniversary. Oh, what an event. Nice. Uh, and stars Nathan Fillion, Gina Therese, Alan Tudyk, Marina Baccarin, Adam Baldwin, Jewel State, Sean Mayer, Summer Glau, and Ron Glass as the mysterious Shepherd Book. I think that's the best you've ever done at pronouncing Again, it's because I know these people yeah. intimately like they're my friends. They never met me before, but you know. <laughs> Um, the show has a was sorry. The show was a ratings flop, averaging only four point seven million viewers per episode. Which, just to take a side note for a second, mm. those ratings these days would not be that bad. Wouldn't if, they? If that if you're getting those, actually, yeah. when I think of Breaking Bad ratings, right? Yeah. That was on cable, which is a that's bit different. True. But I think four point seven. I mean, that's I think Community as it was. I mean, it's not as more expensive show than Community. But even five years ago, when Community was on, it was averaging like one point five. Oh, oh yeah, right. Different style of show, but still like that went for ultimately six seasons and hopefully a movie. Um, show was a flop, averaging four point seven million viewers per episode, and was unceremoniously cancelled just three months after premiering. Only eleven of the fourteen filmed episodes made it to air at the time, and much like the previously discussed Freaks and Geeks continues to appear on best cancelled TV show list to this day. Many theories have been proposed as to why the show failed on TV, uh, with most fingers being pointed at poor promotion, a constantly changing time slot, and behind-the-scenes meddling that prevented the original one-and-a-half-hour pilot from airing at the beginning of its run, which is ludicrous. Yeah, Fox is just a bunch of assholes, really. Yeah, that's the, that's the popular notion. <laughs> the complete series of Firefly, which can be found on DVD, Blu-ray, and streaming services, Ooh. consists of 14 episodes, each in, coming in at around 43 minutes, with the exception of the hour-and-a-half-long pilot, as we said, mm-hmm. and took us approximately 10 hours and 50 minutes to watch. After failing to find an audience on TV, Firefly gained a cult following on home video and somehow, miraculously, received a theatrical release sequel movie from Universal entitled Serenity in 2005. It has not had a sequel to that movie. No. <laughs> it did not make its money back on that, I don't think. Maybe one day. No. I mean... Have hope, Broad. Sure. Can't stop the signal. All the, I, I, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Story synopsis, please, Damask. Sure. All right. It's like my soul is crushed just thinking so, about the idea of Firefly coming back. I know. I know. All right. So Pains season one rundown of Firefly. Because you never know. There might be a season two. All right. Hold on to your britches as we board the Serenity. The ship's captain, Mal Reynolds, is a roguish and charming fellow with a giant chip on his shoulder. Back in the day, he and his first mate, Zoe, fought for independence against the Alliance. Sadly, their side got their asses handed to them, so ever since the war ended, they've existed on the fringes of the verse, smuggling, thieving, and being lovable scamps. Aboard the beloved Firefly, we have the pilot, Wash, whose love of Hawaiian shirts and dinosaurs is only trumped by the love of his wife. We also have the brutish and morally bankrupt muscle, Jane, who will say the most inappropriate thing when you least want him to. Anara rents out one of the ship's shuttles for her important work as a companion. She is beautiful and articulate and cultured. Oh, and she's a whore. It's very important that you know that she is a whore. And I'm just going to keep saying whore because that's what the show does. Whore. And of course, there's Kaylee, the saccharinely sweet mechanic who can fix Serenity's engine while simultaneously playing hopscotch and riding I Heart Simon all over the walls. It's very cute. The crew is under a little financial stress, though, after a deal didn't go through with their cockney friend Badger. And so they have no choice but to take on some passengers for a little extra dosh. They take on a shepherd named Book, 
a doctor named Simon, and passenger number three, who is definitely going to turn on them all. And yep, he does! Mal figures out they've got a Judas on board who has ratted them out to the feds, and he assumes it's the nervous doctor. But nope, it's the other dude. You see, Simon was a little nervous, not because he was betraying everyone on board, but because his carry-on luggage was a little over the weight limit. That tends to happen when you fold up your little sister like she's origami and shove her in the overhead compartment. Her name is River, and she's a super genius that was taken to some sort of Alliance Academy where they experimented on her and turned her personality into that of a manic pixie dream girl who has not slept for approximately 92 days. Mal and the rest of his crew have a choice to make. Will they help Simon and... I wrote Summer here, but her name's definitely River, stay one step ahead of their pursuers, or will they hand them over to stay out of Alliance view? Of course, our ragtag but noble crew choose to bring the siblings into their family. And over 14 episodes, this bunch of cuties have a whole lot of adventures, whether it's dancing at balls and realising rich people are jerks, or discovering the least like person in your crew is actually the messiah to a whole community. Or that if you're a prostitute that sleeps with Mal, you're definitely going to be shot by the end of the episode. Now it makes a whole lot of sense why Inara never wants him to get too close. This season is pretty episodic, so I'm going to stop this rundown just here. But I will say, I'm sad I won't ever get to write a season 2 rundown. One that dove further into them as people, as they traipsed around the verse together and grew stronger in their loyalty and love. What a goran shame. Very nice. There you go. The, uh, the Summer River mistake, oh, I think, is an easy one to make endless, because they're endless. both massively hippie, hippie names. Yeah, like, if her, her name could be Sky or Tiger <laughs> Lily or something, and it would be, like, just as acceptable a name as River. I like that you went Tiger Lily, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, let's get things underway then. Before mm-hmm. we get into uh, our five-word five word summation, which we do every episode, um, I just want to talk about why we decided to do Firefly in particular today. Obviously, yeah. 50th episode, sort of a big occasion. Um and sort of how we came by the show. So me personally, mm. I will get, I'm sure you'll agree with this as well, massive fan of Joss Whedon's work previously. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I had been watching Buffy, had been watching Angel, um, and then heard about Firefly but couldn't find it on television, probably because it was cancelled and no one on Australian television And we lived in Australia. Yeah, yeah. We didn't ever have anything. It was that the doesn't worst. Help. But I was able to find it. I eventually found I remember really specifically, because I care too much about the show. Um, I box set like I was away visiting family for mm. Christmas and it was there and I'd saved up my pennies. I was like 14 or 15 at the time and um, bought the box set. I remember looking at it and looking at the back and like there's a shot of like Zoe on the ground like shooting out the shotgun and thinking, this looks dumb. I don't think I'm going to like this show. <laughs> and then watching it and again and again and again and falling in love with it. Um, and then sort of have watched it over and over again since almost yearly i've done like marathon weekends where i've watched mm. all the episodes and then surrounded the movie and then i remember like watching the show and about the time that i finally got to watching it they'd announced serenity was coming and going to the movies with myself and a few friends who i'd gotten to watch firefly as well and like seeing it in the cinemas when it was on yeah i'm trying to remember exactly when the first time i watched it was it was definitely because of you you right. told me to watch it and i think you even gave me your dvds or whatever it was yep um, I've, I've bought. I've had this thing three times on disc, <laughs> like the DVDs, the Blu-rays once. You're a true fan, and then the Blu-rays again for the 15th anniversary. Um, yeah, so I, ridiculous. I think Serenity had already come out at that time. Probably, yeah. So I hadn't watched it. But 2005, I, yeah. That we would just been met each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I knew Firefly had come out. I knew that it was Joss Whedon's show. 
Um, and I, because I read all this stuff about how tragic it was that it was cancelled, but I never had the opportunity to actually watch it. Yeah. Like I said, we live in Australia until you gave me like the DVDs and I watched it. Yeah. And I watched the first. 13 episodes mm-hmm. and then left the 14th just for ep- for years i left it because i just i wanted there to be one more episode out there um i'm i'm not like you i don't i don't watch it every year just because i f- i find it really frustrating and upsetting that there's not more yeah so i watch buffy once a year because i like to go on that that journey again. the whole of buffy all yeah. seven seasons yeah really yeah i do I, I used to also do it with dawson's creek but as I get older, that becomes into, sadder. This must be the exchange we did. I gave you Firefly, you gave me Dawson's yeah. Creek. And I got to tell you, like weighing up the amount of episodes, you definitely won in that bargain. Yeah. I only made it to season three. Yeah. I also year. won because you had to watch Dawson's Creek. So. <laughs> yeah. It was all right that for helps. a couple of seasons. Um, but yeah, I watched it and I loved it. But it's, it's a, you know, it feels unfulfilling and sad to me going yeah. back too often. So I try not to. Watching every time I watch it, there's an episode in particular, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get to at some stage, maybe in favorite episodes, spoilers, that I start to think irrationally about, like I fantasize, like what would have happened if this show kept going? Like I, I talk to the people, there's a parallel universe where Broad, different Broad got to watch the mm. show go for so long it got bad. Like it got to its eighth or ninth season and they turned over some casts and it didn't have the magic anymore. And so they just finally sort of died on the vine. Yeah. That I that upsets me <laughs> that that there's a version of me out there in the multiverse that's seen see that. Fuck, that yeah. guy's so lucky. I hate him so yeah. much. I don't know though. Like, but what, what else would have happened to you? If that had happened, if that had happened I'd be live like, happily ever after, obviously. That's the <laughs> everything ultimate else version. Would be fine because yeah. you got to see Firefly. This is the darkest. I can't say this is the darkest timeline because we've got Serenity. We do have Donald Trump, though. So yeah, it, good point. It might and be. it all comes down to this. If Firefly wasn't cancelled, no Donald Trump and the world's at peace. No oh, wonder I'm angry. Oh, okay, this podcast got very dark. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Yeah. Um, so let's get into our five-word summation to start discussing this mm. in depth. What's your... Uh, you know what? I'm going to go first. Okay. I'm just going to take I mean, over. a little rude, but all right. Sure. <laughs> go for it. Uh, my my five-word summation is the show made for me. Which oh, is that's nice. Kind of lame, but maybe sets up the fact I've got very little criticism <laughs> of the show. Go on. What's yours? Uh, mine is can't wait for season two. <laughs> This is both Why? like a joyful occasion and a really depressing one. Yeah, this is like it's one of those tone to it. You know when you go to like funerals, but they're um, like a celebration. They? Of yeah, life? they're life celebrations. Yeah, yeah. this exactly is what we're what trying to do here. Yeah. deep down we just want to yeah. cry. Yeah, everyone's getting drunk and just saying how much like they appreciated it while it was here. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get stuck <laughs> into it then. Um, I just want to start by talking about sort of what this show does amazingly right from my perspective mm-hmm. and the reason that I hold it to such high esteem. Um, I think the best place to start is just the characters. As you can see here, um, you know, just again to illustrate how much um, I love Firefly, these are actually <laughs> mine. They hang up in my house. All nine characters from the show are uh, in portrait form. Yeah. Uh, this is They used a- to hang above your bed. They did when I didn't have... Yeah, yeah. they did. When yes. you didn't have a girlfriend. When I wasn't... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the reason why at the time. Um, James Hance is the artist, by the way. Look him up. Uh, he's a UK artist who does these. He's really cool. He did these all in nine days. What, or was it within 24 hours? I can't remember. Over I a weekend, know. I think he did. It was incredible. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. Uh, these are prints, not the originals, by the way, I wish. But anyway, there's your, there's your core characters. And so these essentially make up the crew of Serenity. And I think we've talked about plenty of times on the podcast already with different shows 
one of the things that makes us love a yeah. show is when we love the characters and care about them. Absolutely. And even in 14 episodes, I would argue even in one episode, I think by the end of the pilot, they pilot do is so good. They so do good. such a good job. Yeah. It's not perfect, definitely not perfect that pilot, like very I don't think there are any perfect pilots really that I can remember. Maybe there's one or two out there. Mm. But the um what it does to get you to fall in love with these characters is so impressive. And by the end of it, I care maybe not about everyone so mm. much, but a lot of the cast. Yeah, I remember like as I was starting to rewatch this, I was like, oh, maybe it has dated. Mm. Maybe it's not as good as Are I. Are you talking about the first scene, the first episode? <laughs> no, I'm, Which I'm not. Looks I'm, awful now. I'm talking like over like the first few episodes. I was sure. like, maybe it's not as good as I remember. Mm. And then, but then as we progress through the season and you slowly learn more about these people and you grow to love them, you're like, oh yeah, no, that's why it's so good. And that's why generally Joss Whedon shows are so good. That's it's what they that get so right. slow falling in love with characters, which like you said, as we've stated, that's why we watch TV. Yeah. So our favorite shows that we've talked about in the past, Community, Parks and Rec, The Office yeah, in your case, Office, yeah. stuff like that. And for me, Fireflies. Oh, and Buffy, obviously, as Buffy, well. Yes. And Angel to a degree. You haven't finished Angel yet, have you? I know. And you bought me the DVD so long ago. I'm I did. such a bad friend. You are terrible. I'm a really shitty friend. Um, and then Firefly falls into that mold as yeah. well. Um, so... What I did want to talk about, kind of, was just go through the characters one by one quickly, if we can, but talk about. Sort <laughs> I don't of, think we can go through anything quickly. We'll, we'll try. Yeah, good point. We'll try our best though. Let's just start with Mal, Captain Malcolm Reynolds, played by Nathan Fillion, who uh, comes into the show as a war vet on the losing side of a of a war of independence. Mm. The world. He's what he was fighting for um, has fallen away. He's like if the rebels lost in Star Wars, basically. Yeah. Um, and he spends the rest of his life on his ship Serenity. He's the best version of the freedom independence he was fighting for he can get with his ragtag little crew. And so he's an interesting character. He's an interesting character because he kind of morphs in the show. And I don't know whether you know this or notice this, but his character goes through a really massive transformation between episode between the pilot and episode two, the train job. With the train job is the one where he kicks the guy in the engine, yeah? Um, yes, that's how that yeah. one ends, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, did but, I notice the difference? I'm not sure if I did. So the what happened to get into like the making of a little bit, and I know this stuff because I've listened to all the You're audio a nerd, commentaries. We get it. Yep. yep. <laughs> Pathetic is the word you're looking for. The the studio didn't love the pilot mainly because they didn't think that Malcolm was likable enough. So Joss was known Ridiculous. for his like quippy dog and stuff, and that's all there in Firefly and even in Serenity. But it wasn't like Buffy quippy at this stage. Um, That's right, they wanted it to be less dark or something, didn't basically, they? Basically, Mal was like too much of a hard ass for them. And so they went make That's why Malcolm you cast funnier. Nathan Fillion, because they're like, no matter how dark you go, he's always got like a charming edge to him. Right. And damn so, it, they're so wrong anyway. Yep. On. And so not only did they not show Serenity, as in the episode Serenity, the pilot, at, at the start of its run on TV, they made them basically repilot with the train job. Yeah. So the train job has this job of having to reintroduce all these relationships again. Yeah. And I mean, I did know it was the second re-pilot. pilot. Yeah, yeah. And and Mal, I think, is notably way funnier, like obnoxiously funnier, in that episode for me, where he um, is sort of oh, what's he say? He has these lines, "You're my hero" and stuff like this, and like make voices and stuff like this, and they try to really, really lighten him up a heap. Um, but what's when they finally get sort of that uh, balance right? Mm. Yes, he can be very funny, very dry, very. Um, but he's also he's. I love the episode War Stories where he's that 
Captain with a heart of gold, but man, does he have a darkness to him at, at mm. the heart of all this. He's an angry, violent man. Um, yeah, I mean, and Nathan Fillion just plays that role so well and it balances it so well. I mean, it's the intriguing contradiction of who Mal is, is that he is this honourable man mm-hmm. um, and considers himself an honourable man, and yet he does things outside of the law. He mm-hmm. kills people. Um but then once we delve into his morality, what he values, it, it all kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. He He's the kind of man who's like so righteous that he can't exist within a system that he opposes, even if that is the easy choice to just get a job and live within a system because, you know, he was on the losing side. Mm-hmm. He, he refuses to do it. He couldn't possibly do it. One of my favorite moments in the pilot is when he... All the shit's going down and the Reavers are attacking. Mm, and so Dobson terrifying. and yeah. And Dobson is like I think he's uh got Simon or someone at gunpoint. Or, or he's got Kaylee possibly again or something like that. He's mm. he's holding one of the crew hostage. And they he's like, you know, make one move and I'll shoot and Mal just walks in, he doesn't have time for any of this shoot, <laughs> and just like as he's walking, raises the gun, bam, kills yeah. him stone dead. And just keeps moving because it's like he doesn't have time yeah. to be doing that was the quickest solution to this problem. The guy was threatening one of his crew. Yeah. Not no time for argument has, discussion. He has just clear lines in the stands. If, yep. if you do this, you forfeit your life. Yep. And that's just that's just how it is. And what I also love is the way the show even gets to talk about that for a little bit through Shepherd Book. And Shepherd Book is an interesting character in that mm. regard because he gets to talk about like this right, like uh, spiritual, righteous, good versus evil, black and white sort of idea of morality. And even he's struggling with like, and I'm. Mean, Shepard Book's a complicated character anyway, but even he's struggling to like, I don't know whether he did the right or wrong thing there. Like, it's hard for me to... Yeah, and as the season progresses, um, Shep, sorry, Book gets more and more grey with his thinking. And he realises that in the life they are leading, in the places that they are visiting, Mm. the black and white, it just doesn't make... It stops making sense once you leave the safety of those systems in power, yeah. Um, So he's a really awesome, charismatic... I think a great leading man and there is so much to dive into Mal and from episode to episode there are dimensions to him which are fantastic and like he rivals like Han Solo as a swashbuckling space cowboy too it's pretty cool and he's got a great butt so that's something Captain Tight Pants Captain Tight Pants uh, alright who's next on our list let's talk about let's talk about Wash and Zoe for a second there <laughs> yep. uh-uh, uh-uh. I know I know sorry nope, nope. take back take Don't it back to talk about that. taking it back mm-hmm. um so their relationship is interesting. Wash is very much the comic relief pilot yep. of the show. Um, what's interesting as well, you'll notice in the in the pilot episode, is he's doing this whole thing. Excuse this hit the table, where he's like, "If everyone could just be quiet for a moment, you know," and he's just very calm. Mm. And they realised that wasn't funny or interesting. So <laughs> the next one, he's just like frantically like trying to steer the ship. Yeah. Um, and his relationship with his warrior. Wo- I love erratic Wash. Erratic Wash is great. I really appreciate well, it. Well, Alan Tudyk's just hilarious, he's though. He's just incredible. I love, I love that he's become... Um, I love him in A Knight's Tale as what? Yeah, I could totally forgot that he was in that. Yep. And, but I also love that he's now just become like Disney's go-to voice actor guy. He's in so many... Even in Moana, he plays the chicken in that, <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, he's doing some good work there. Imagine getting paid for that. Yeah, I know. And then... <laughs> Sweet. A million. Thank you. The Zoe, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Zoe is, yeah, so essentially, uh, what's his name? Malcolm's first mate. He is war buddy from back in the days when mm-hmm. they were fighting for independence, uh, who's come along with him on the serenity to sort of stay out of the reach of the law. Um, Matt, a warrior woman, 
Amazon. Yes. I don't want to objectify people. Fucking gorgeous. She's so beautiful. She's ridiculous. Gina Torres? Gina Torres, yeah. Just ludicrously Torres good look. or Torres? Torres. Torres? I think it's Torres. Okay, let's go with Torres. Um, <laughs> she's so beautiful. Ridiculously. Just almost distractingly so, but I shouldn't say that. But yeah, I I love Wash. And there are moments where I love Zoe. I love what she's doing. We yeah. don't get a lot of her though. Like it's... She, the, we do and we don't. She's interesting because she's very dry. Like her well, humor hard, yes, comes thing. from just being like, it's a don't mess with me. It's hard to understand her because I don't, like, I don't have the ability to get in there with her because she's so, this is my role. I'm going to do it well. Yeah. There's yeah. Not a lot she's of just super capable. Yeah. yeah. No fear. Yeah. Um, the best we get with her really is war stories where Wash so good. forces her, him, like, him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you get Wash who like they're fighting over like what's Wash's line? There are too many husbands. In it's this like, I think marriage, yeah. yeah. It's like it's getting a little crowded. And so the mm. idea that Zoe's um, allegiance to Mal gets complicates their relationship on the ship. And then so yeah, Wash goes on the on the mission with Mal, they get captured, Mal is protecting him while also like harassing him about his relationship with Zoe. I do it's love so that. so many complex layers yeah, to this. That scene where they're just talking about Mal just fucking Zoe. Yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to rip her clothes off. That's fine. And while... As, as a method to keep him from like... Yeah, he's got to concentrate on... On surviving torture. Yeah. Oh. Which, which is great. I just... And once... We're going to be saying this a lot, I think, but because this is the first chapter, it's yeah. all, the complaint is always going to be, I want more, I want more. Definitely. Um, but... I think it's unfortunate that with Zoe, the the issue of that kind of three-way power dynamic in their relationship is really more focused on the power dynamic between Mal and Wash. And and especially in that much, episode. Very and much less so Zoe. As you said, Zoe gets that moment where she goes, him, like yeah. Sophie's choice and instantly chooses yeah, Wash. Of course. Yeah. Which is funny because Rick and Morty then did that with... Uh, <laughs> that's suppose Rick and Morty. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. It's, a, it's a good joke and also is an important character beat for Zoe to yeah. show where ultimately Wash comes first. Um, without spoiling anything, there is a little bit for Zoe in relation to her feelings about these sorts of things in Serenity. Yeah. But again, it's like, imagine if there was a sequel or another season of this show, we would have got more. And it's hard to criticise the show for saying it didn't get there when it got cut off midstream. Yeah. Like, who knows where that would have gone. Um, but what we get is like what they're leaning into and where it's they're going with stuff. is pretty well, the, great. I think the the fact that we desperately want more, I think, is a good sign because they have met, they've piqued our interest. Yes. We want to know more. Yep. It's not because I'm like, oh, what I have is bad. Mm-hmm. It's because what I have is good, so I want more of it. Yeah, and we yeah. know you can see there's more to go to there. Yeah. Do you have um? So the comedy in the show, does it work for... I'm just thinking using this as Wash as the example here. Does He's one of the yes. funniest characters. It's like... It works. I mean, it really helps that Alan Tudyk is just hilarious. I mean, we're, we are fans of Joss Whedon's work. And a big part of that is his balance of drama and comedy and the way he writes dialogue, yep. which he is famous for. We're obviously fans of that. Yep. So when that comes up in the show, it, we're going to like it. It doesn't all... Like like in the show, I think it works a lot. I'm just saying in general, just when stuff doesn't always work. There are a couple of stinkers here and there that don't work. Disagree. No. What are you talking about? It's happened. Okay. Moments, lines. Right. But, oh, right. Okay. But generally, it really works for me. Yeah. And it is because he knows that balance. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that two of my favorite episodes this season are written and directed by Josh. Joss. 
Who's Josh? Josh. <laughs> I've heard that before. Josh Whedon. Um, Josh wrote and directed um, Objects in Space and I think our Mrs. Reynolds as well. Our Mrs. Reynolds to me is the funniest episode of the season. I love that episode. I think it's so good. It's episode six. And we think we've talked about, mentioned in the past, that usually by episode six, if you, it's about the time you get into the show. If I'm not in it, I wish I was dead because I know I have to finish the season. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but episode six, man, I was just like, yeah, I really like these people. That this was... show is funny and interesting. Yeah. And I love, I love in that episode Mal's, like everyone's making fun of Mal. And it's funny to make these jokes about him and his wife with Saffron. And him legitimately like, I don't think this is funny. This is awful. Um, and that, that was my across. favorite episode for a long time as it, I was watching it. I skip between my favorite episodes and yeah. that that is sometimes. It, mm. It's the, one of the ones that pe- gets up there. Yeah. Uh, okay, who's next in our list? Since we're talking about relationships, let's talk about Anara for a second there. Mm. Um, so the companion on the ship. Mm. She's not one of the crew specifically. She is renting a shuttle. That's she right. is a professional woman, uh, high society Highfalutin. Uh, highfalutin. She mm-hmm. brings a certain respectability to the crew. She does. That's very handy to them. She has sex with men for a living. And women. And women too. That's true. And all those in between. Does that yeah. count as a bi character? Is this uh, any sort of representation in that there? I was thinking that this time through. Well, because I was about to say like, oh, well, we don't, she doesn't really identify openly. But then when we see her with her female client, she says she's very picky about her female clients. So when yeah. she chooses them... She, I mean, I, mean, I know her them. job is to make her, um, yeah. the people she's to have employed her services feel comfortable and like that's part of her job. Yeah. But if I take it on face value, it does seem like she does enjoy this too. Yeah. And has a desire to have these sorts of intimate relationship with women as well. Maybe. I mean, I'm going to put a maybe on that because we don't, we don't know. No. Yeah. And it was interesting coming around this for the first time, well, not for the first time, but 15 years later and thinking about like, representation of um, gay representation in TV now um, and even the fact that we've had Willow obviously in mm. Buffy which is a <laughs> milestone on television God, whenever you just bring up a Joss Whedon you just show, start crying, I start crying. Yeah. he has that effect so many memories and I was thinking like we've got nine characters diverse cast in some ways apart from Asian diversity there's no Asians <laughs> anywhere for, okay let's well, let's take a sidetrack for a second to talk do about we want to talk about that later though no, let's I'll just go. Let's just go for it. Yeah. Uh, let's roll with the punches. The So this is a world where Western society and Eastern society, especially, specifically Chinese. USA and China, yep. two superpowers have merged and unified, hence mm-hmm. unification. And so there is this mix of cultures. You've got the very, very, like actually American West, mm-hmm. Western style. That frontier kind of exactly. aesthetic and mentality. And then you've got very, well, mainly there's food and, and iconography and language. Clothing. Is the big one. Clothing and, too. Mm-hmm. Specifically, the language is the obvious one. Every episode, a character at least once or twice is going to um, speak Chinese or an Asian dialect. I assume it's Chinese. I'm pretty or sure it's Chinese, Mandarin. yeah. Um, oh yeah, Chinese isn't a language. No, so dumb. Mandarin could be Mandarin or Cantonese. I'm not sure. Admitting, admitting, <laughs> we're not. We don't know. We don't know. They're speaking a, an Eastern language. <laughs> yep. Yeah, okay. Sure. Yeah, good. Covered all our bases. Yeah, that that, that works. So we definitely. Whew, yeah. Um, and so this, we understand these cultures to have merged, and yet zero Asian people. Zero Asians. There is one in which when they go to the whorehouse the brothel yeah um there's one asian prostitute yes or sex worker 
um, who has a couple of lines, but she's not one of the main no. characters of that episode at all. Um, but that's it. You really in, this, in the entire verse, fourteen episodes and the numerous the characters they Chinese made. and American cultures have merged. There's practically no Asian pe- East Asian people. Yeah. What? Yeah, it doesn't make any doesn't sense. Doesn't make any sense. It does feel like it wouldn't have been that hard to have one person on the ship. <sighs> yeah. Uh, yeah. With an Asian Asian background. Yeah. Um, I think. I mean, Mrs. Reynolds couldn't have been Asian. Just someone. Someone. One person. I wondered whether, like, a River and Simon, like, meant to be... Because their last name is Tam. Their name is Tam, but they're not. But they're not. They're absolutely not. Yeah. They're white people. And we see their parents and they're just... They're white people. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, they don't exist. It's like... That would... When when I... Because I recently... Like, the new new Blade Runner came out recently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just before I went to go see that, I saw the original, which I'd never seen before. Not really for me, but that's fine. I was like, yeah, it's fine. But it, like the fetishization of Asian culture and yep. Asian women, I was like, oh, geez, that's dated. And then I go to see the new one and I'm like... Nothing's changed. Where are the Asian people? Yeah. What is going on? How like in all the criticism of that film, that one glaringly stands out and no one while making the new one was like, let's rectify that situation. Yeah. So tone deaf. I couldn't believe... I mean, beautiful film, like visually beautiful. Jared Leto can, you know, he not be there. He was fine for his role. He was barely in it. I didn't go to Blade Runner to see a Bond villain. I'll be honest with you. Wasn't interested in it. Anyway, but I like, just like, just, <laughs> just rectify that. And then like looking back at this, I was like, I get that they're kind of like doing the futuristic Blade Runner-esque kind of thing, sure. the merging of those two cultures, but still to have no East Asian if, people. If Firefly was made today, that wouldn't. That wouldn't stand. Blade that Runner was be- made today. That's a good point. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I was just so like- that did get brought up. Like, no, no, what I mean is, the yes, it might happen the same way, mm. but it would get ripped the to shreds for it. The dialogue is different. Um, and it would probably be fixed before the season ended. Yeah, Like, true. if it actually got to make its entire season yeah. run. Or season two, they'd introduce a new character. There'd be whatever. something yeah, that would do to true. fix that. Uh, that's not the point. Where were we? We are talking about... Oh, we're talking about Nara. That's right. We, so, yeah, a little tangent there. what do we feel about Nara? She's... Um, She's different. She's not outwardly funny, uh, as funny as the others are necessarily. Though she does have some good stuff. No, like, though when she does sting Mal, it's it always gives me a stings chuckle. Stings Mal, or the, there's again in our Mrs. Reynolds the bit where she like I hit my head is all when she. <laughs> that's <laughs> actually that's quite like, good. I don't need to be examined. I'm good. That is very good. Um, she has these little bits like this, and a couple a couple of surprise moments in Jane Town when she finds out that like Jane Jane Cobb and like just the disbelief is good. Mm. Um, but generally, she's more of a meant to be like an intellectual. And moralistic she gets foil in, to Mal. She gets us into a lot of places. Yes, she oh, and that introduces, too. you know, certain aspects Gives us of the a rest taste of, the crew, of civilized yeah, society, which no one be else able will. to get into. Yeah, which works pretty well. Do you like her as a character? Do you like her performance? I love the performance. I actually really like the character. I think the character's great. I love Anara. Yeah, I'm. I'm so intrigued by her. And once again, I just want to know more. Yeah. Well, they do set up a semi mystery in the in the pilot. There's this bit where they worried they're going to be attacked by reavers and they show her opening a little case thing and there's a needle mm. in there and i think it can be interpreted that she was like might have just committed suicide before she was gang raped by these savages on the edge of space yeah that's, that's how i read it when i first watched it was that i'm just i would say stick to that interpretation don't yeah. think about beyond that 
Because do, do we want to talk about what that was going to be? Apparently, she was going to be dying from some sort of terminal illness, probably space syphilis or something along those lines, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And the thing is, we don't know where that show was going to go. I'll tell you what, if you actually look and listen to or read interviews or hear interviews with cast members or even creators about what episodes would have been made, none of them sound good. No. Like they the all one sound where... awful. But they never made it to the pitching process. So it's like, <laughs> they never got to writing it. Well, so that could have changed a well, lot. Well, apparently, mate, correct me if I'm wrong, but I just read this yesterday, was that... So what was going to happen is Anara injects herself with whatever. Yep. Then she gets... Gang raped gang by raped Reavers. by Reavers. But what she's injected herself with kills anyone who rapes her. Yeah. And then she's discovered or rescued by Mal... Yeah. And he's like, oh, my God, I really respect you for surviving a gang rape. Yeah, I'm glad that never happened. And the studio was like, bit dark. Just bit dark there. <laughs> I don't think the Buffy fans are going to come across and be like, oh, cool. This is the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a that great idea. Happened. It never happened, though. So we, it's it hard to criticize something that didn't happen. Similar to like people who criticize Joss, Joss's uh, <laughs> Wonder Woman script that never made production oh, or passed yeah. draft phase. Yeah. I think that's a little unfair, that one. Anyway, I won't defend him too much, though. He's Why a bad not? husband. He's a terrible he's husband. He's a terrible husband. Well, no one's denying that he's a terrible husband. I'm not sure that equates you're not a feminist. I think... Man, that's a whole rabbit hole. I agree with you, though. The Let's talk about Nara. You had some points about Nara. <laughs> I love that you totally skirted that issue. Um, I just... I honestly could be here for 20 minutes talking about, like... We had this discussion over brunch once. We did. And was just like... I think it was in Japan and learning, okay, well, okay, let's discuss it for a second yeah. then. So, w- just recently, we're obviously big Joss fans mm-hmm. and um, his ex-wife, mm-hmm. who I should know her name and don't, so I'm a terrible human being. Should sh- you though? She shouldn't just be Joss's ex-wife I'm having this discussion is what I'm saying. Right. So, I'm putting it, I saying mean, right now- I mean, but we don't have any other I'm context t- for her because her the only I mean, thing I she, know about her he, is that she is married to Joss Whedon. She also like wrote and like she was uh, she creatively involved. I don't what know. Was she on? She was creatively involved in Much Do About Nothing and stuff like that. Oh, I didn't see like, it. Oh, didn't you? You never saw that? I never saw it. Oh, you should check it out. It's actually pretty good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just for the cast reunion, it's good. Right. Um, anyway, it came out that she- uh, talks about how he was extremely unfaithful. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is terrible. Awful. Awful. As a husband. One of the worst things you can do to someone. He apparently was sleeping around, often with actresses from his shows. Um, and he kept it from her for a very long time mm-hmm. and eventually told her up front, I think he was the one who won the divorce by the sounds of it. Right. Um, and sort of came out with that this has been happening and she's been dealing with that since and then wrote this piece about how she feels like this makes him a fake feminist. I think she actually used those words, fake feminist, because mm-hmm. he didn't treat her with respect, respect. as a woman. Yeah. Um, which is an interesting perspective and I think it shows that he is definitely a flawed human being. Abs- definitely. Absolutely. And what, what concerned me about when all this was coming out was talk about because he was sleeping with women that were under his employ or that he had influence over um, is probably, you know, a sleazebag about it um, and using his power to kind of get what he wanted. 
like I'm not sure we can say that as we don't know well, who we these women are. Any, yeah. We don't know what they think of the situation. And so I don't want to take away their autonomy or independence to do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to take that away from them. If it comes out that they feel like they were taken advantage of, of course my opinion will change mm-hmm. about it. But I, So a lot of people were implying that. I was like, you know, if you're around someone that you admire – you know, for the work they're doing and you're sexually attracted to them and you sleep with them. Yeah. Just because they're in a high position, that doesn't necessarily make it a bad situation. Is it not great? Of course it's not great. Yeah. Would I do it? Probably probably not. Yeah. Um, I don't think it necessarily makes you a bad person. I don't necessarily think it makes you a bad feminist. I think you can be a very flawed human who struggles to walk the talk mm-hmm. but yeah, i don't a, think that negates all the good he's done he's like like i said he's definitely a bad husband like this Terrible vow he husband. made with this other person shit he made husband. a promise that he broke yes continuously which is shit but the fact that she is a woman and he's considered a feminist i don't think really plays into that i don't think so either it's i'm more interested in what he what the in, if you want to talk about that sort of thing what yeah, how did his influences yeah. in a position of power and these young actresses, what when, did that yeah, look like? When all this Harvey Weinstein stuff was coming out, yeah. I said to you, I was like, I'm really worried it, listen, that it talks, could come out tomorrow. Clock's still going. It could be, as we're recording, we yeah. could find out. There I'm really worried that Whedon. if something came out about Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon, thank you, Joss Whedon. Whedon. I'd be... Gutted? Gutted. John Lasseter be- this week, apparently, mm. is a creepy... Inappropriate guy. But yeah, it, obviously, if that came out, then I would be like, fuck you, Joss Whedon. No doubt. So I don't want there to be any question about that. Agreed. But I don't think being a bad husband negates while that we're you identify about, as a feminist. While we're talking about how women are treated in feminism, let's talk about Anara then and her role inside <laughs> the show. Bring it back. Bring it back. Thank you. Nice. Just tie it back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she uh, is a companion. Mm-hmm. She's essentially a sex worker. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel that is handled in the show? It, can, it confuses my brain. Yeah. The word whore is used <laughs> so much. A lot. And so, Especially from Mal. Mal. So pointedly. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's a little confusing for my brain because while I'm like, oh, you know, we've got a main character who's a sex worker. That's awesome. It's interesting. Um, Who in many regards is treated as... She's respected. Extremely suspected. Sorry, respectable. Thank you. Mm. One drink, that's it, I'm done. (laughs) Uh, Respectable, high society, yeah, has a lot of influence and power in some regards, Mm -hmm. um, which is something that the people on the ship don't tend to have, especially outside of the ship. When they're in civilized society, she has... Um, power and attributes that they do not have, mm-hmm. um, but the yeah the use of whore deliberately, to, frequently in a derogatory yeah to belittle her, to demean her yes. is jarring. Mm-hmm. It's such like it's such a strong word, and it's used so often. So, do you think what? How do you feel about this? What the overall message of the show is? Do you think this is reflecting back on? her position and what the show is positing about sex workers in general? Like, is this, are they having, saying something negative about people in that profession? Or is it saying more about the people who think this way? In this case, Mal is the one who says it. Whereas Mal is meant to be in love with Anara Mm. and like, 
I think the That's, idea is I he really, uses this term really as, a, as yeah. a guarded way to keep her at a distance. Yeah. Um, I don't think for one second that they're saying that her being a sex worker makes means that she deserves that treatment. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're saying that. Yep. What freaks me out a little bit is Mal's feelings are hurt. Mm-hmm. And so he lashes out with this term. And she just kind of has to, like, be on the ship and take it. Yeah, she like tends that, to just sort of roll her eyes. Yeah. She does say, like, you know, she t- she calls him out on it, but she doesn't, like... She like she, she, she keeps the conversation yeah. and the dialogue going. She's not... She doesn't, like, ever draw a line and say... Like, she theoretically she did. She doesn't ever go, that is so fucked up. Well, like, she does it in the... Like, when we see them in mm. Out of Gas, she says, that's the one and only time you get to call me whore. And, and then, so they, the show makes a point of this... That he continues to do it and she's continued to put up with it. Um, and it's a question of why. Well, why that's, that's she what I don't understand. Do it makes me feel a little strange about it. Mm. The fact that we do get an opportunity to see her say, you will only get to call me that once. Yep. And then she stays in a position with a guy that sure she might have feelings for, but it continuously demeaning her and belittling what yep. she does and who she is. I think... I mean, the argument you could make, and it's not a strong argument though, is that she knows that Mal doesn't mean it. Like Mal uses it in a childish way to sort of belittle her when he's losing an argument, basically. And so... That is, she, that's so awful though. T- true. Yeah. And I think it reflects really poorly on Mal. And you kind of wish the Nara did a better job of articulating that. I think that's what where my unease comes from sure. is that it's just kind of like it happens and then we don't really look at it any closer. And like we said before, probably that would happen later, but we don't get that opportunity. This is the only opportunity we have other than Serene to see these characters together. It also sucks that it always seems to happen in private conversations between the two of them. It's like, I would love to see what Imagine happens. Imagine him say that around Kaylee. Exactly what I was She'd thinking. Like, if Kaylee was there, what does Kaylee say to that? It's like, Captain and like walk across yeah. to Anara. Because she really looks up to Anara and, and the thinks what exactly. she does is very glamorous and yeah. amazing. Yeah. I would love to th- see what her opinion of that language towards mm-hmm. Anara would be. Yeah. Um, we never get that though. And again, we only got 14 episodes. But in those 14 episodes, it is, it's there a lot. Yeah. Um, anything else about Anara or that stuff you want to talk about? I don't think so. I think it, we covered it, it. It's complicated. Let's talk about Kaylee then since we're on that subject. Kaylee, the uh, cute little uh, mechanic on mm-hmm. the ship. Adorable little Kaylee. What a cutie pie. What a cutie pie. Mm. Uh, what do we think of her as a character? I love Kaylee. I oh, think she's great. I love Kaylee too. I... Can I, can I say something controversial and sort Ooh, of a little bit... Hot take, hot take. What is it? It's like, it's not a real criticism at all. Right. I guess if I just say out of out of the nine characters, I think she might be the weakest actress of the nine of them, personally. I think sometimes... <laughs> I know you don't agree with this. I know who you think... There's a close-up on my face. <laughs> the, I, don't know if I, agree um, I don't know. I don't know. There's some stuff early on and... Leans on the cutesy stuff a bit too much. I don't know. I love Kaylee though. I yeah. love Kaylee. In the original pilot, yeah, when she's like book comes up and she's like sitting there with her little um, umbrella, yes, trying to like get people in. The way she speaks is so kind of airy fairy and just yep. like ah, like a real dumb dumb. Yeah, look at the destinations. Yeah, real dumb dumb machine. I was like. Yeah. Oh, maybe like Kaylee isn't as good as I remember. Mm-hmm. 
I still really, really like her and I fell in love with her over the 14 episodes and I'm sure I would have just continued to do it. And do I ship Kaylee and Inara? Look, a little bit. <laughs> Kaylee and Inara? Maybe a lot, particularly sure. in that first episode. Yep. Sure, it's happening. Yep. I can't control it. Um, I mean, there are certain things about Kaylee that now that we're in 2017, I'm almost a grown woman. I don't know how you quantify that anyway. <laughs> that I watch her and I'm legally like... Legally an adult. Yeah, legally an adult. Have been for quite a while. Um, that just makes me go, oh, she... And I, I think I have a quote about this actually. But she so often is put in a place of here she is she's in danger to make the audience feel something she is meant to she specifically is noted as being someone who is not an like she's not an action person she is not violent she is not she does brave and heroic things definitely but she is not the fighter that say jane and she's 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 nothing but heart and so then when we have instances where we're like oh danger this is bad it's Kaylee has a gun pointed at her head. Yep. A man is standing in front of her episode, being like, shot and have is... you ever been raped? It's just like, whoa. Yeah. That's, that's really intense. Watching that this time, actually, I was just like, that's really Yeah, my notes were just like, what the fuck? This got super dark. It yeah. is. If I'm actually going to backtrack a little bit there. Her performance in that scene is fucking amazing, yeah. though. She's terrified. And when he totally asks terrified. her to turn, turn around, around and her little weep, her little whimper, is so like, effective. That's awful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love Kaylee. I, it's funny, I was watching this. My girlfriend hasn't seen the show. Um, mm-hmm. she's watch, she just sort of watched a couple episodes with me while I was watching it this week. And I was sort of watching it, asking her at the end of it, I was like, what do you think of the show? I was like, actually, I really like it. But she yeah. didn't like Kaylee a lot. She found Kaylee to be mm-hmm. like really annoying and cutesy. But I can see that. I mean, yeah, I understand those criticisms. I also think at surface level, I think that's true. Like if you watch two episodes, you might get that opinion. I love the way she treats Simon. I love her like obvious affection. And then like when they're drunk in Janestown and yeah. she's like... It's going well, Captain. And like, or when he makes an absolute boob of himself in um, War Stories and he says the bit and you're like, you're like almost literally the only woman in the verse. <laughs> it's like, well, isn't that a hell of a thing to say? And that's just like walks just... off. And the look she gives him. Yeah. It's not yeah, so I, War Stories. That's the message. Yeah. Yeah. I like, yeah. I love that she's got this huge crush on him. Yeah. But also like when he's a wanker, she's just like, ew. Yeah. And just like walks away, which is, which is awesome. Um, and I, I like that she's quite sexualized too. I think that's a really cool thing for I a character I think it's a like great that. step because generally she'd be like the like Mal's surrogate daughter or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And yet the first time we see, well, Mal well, sees her, yeah. she's getting it on. She's in the bone zone in the yep. engine room. Yep. And it's, there's no judgment. She just like puts on her clothes and then starts, you know, showing how awesome she is. That's a fantastic reveal. That yeah, That yeah. is Kaylee. And it's just like, oh, yeah. wow. Because okay. I think we all had that kind of idea of her as well as yeah. like this pure, innocent, childlike um, young woman. Mm-hmm. And then our introduction of her or Mal's introduction of her is so sexualized. Yeah. But not in a degrading but, way not, or demeaning it's way. It's not at all. It's not It's not done. It's sexual. It's not sexualized. Yeah, maybe that's a better maybe way of putting yeah. it. Yeah. Well, she's a sexual being, I think yeah. is what I'm trying to say. And it's not done in a way. Exactly. It's not done in a way to like, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's not done in a demeaning way or in a fetishistic way, fetishistic way or anything like that, fetishized way, anything like that. It's just, that is a part of her character. And she's a grown woman. She is a grown woman. <laughs> she is definitely cute and lovable and full of heart, but- she has sex as well and likes sex and that's yeah. fine. Yeah. I totally. really like that about her character. That they, that mm. they had time to even include that yeah. in four episodes. One little note I had about Kaylee mm-hmm. and I don't like I'm not 
sure how I feel about it, but it's just a, a, a thing I was thinking Observation. on. Observation. Yeah, was that she is this kind of mechanical engineering genius. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way they position her genius is not from a place of uh, engineering knowledge or having put in kind of years of hard work or study. They kind of put it in a way of it's pure intuition. It's feeling based. A lot of the times, even that's how she refers to it, which I find really interesting. I was like, is that, I was like, is that just a way to feminize a typically masculine field or traits? Yep. She's like, oh, you know, I, I can just kind of tell when it's not feeling good. So Rady usually tells me when she's hurting and stuff yeah. like that, those sorts of lines. As opposed to being like, oh, no, I've, like, I've lived and worked in a garage for all my life. Well, that's what my dad does. And I've like just kind of always been around engines or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I've, I've just been fiddling with engines and I just kind of know. It's just like, no, can't you like have some kind of a bit more power in that, I guess? And the one scene I loved... Mm. with her was when she was at the ball and talking to all those guys because it's like oh she's just a nerd for engines yeah she's just a a nerd for engines and i was like oh that shows me that she's it kind of showed me more that she's like she's studying and she and she has this passion for them and it's just like not this innate thing that just kind of comes out of her one of the i was thinking about i was trying to like put like this like, you know, when people put trying to solve a mystery, they put all the cords together. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I'm always trying to like, okay, so what's this relationship with this person? Some mm. people don't have big ones. There's lots of them. And the one that occurred to me the most this time around was actually Wash and Kaylee mm. have this like um, shared love of like technical stuff. Ship nerds. They get to do yeah. all the like set up like the traps and stuff, the, the um, tripwires around the whorehouse. Brothel, in, yeah. brothel, thank you. I said whole house as well. I was like, that's not right. But that's what they, I think that's what they call it in the show. Yeah. Um, in Heart of Gold. And they get to do those sorts of things together. And they have a real like shed. So there's the bit where in Our Mrs. Reynolds when Saffron has like jerry-rigged the ship. So mm. it, they can't change course. And they're both under the console yeah. just like Everyone geeking out. Everyone not talking about sex. Yeah. yeah. But they're both just like geeking out about like what she's done. Mm. And I love that scene because they're both using technical terms. They're both yeah. just like, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. so humped. And it's like that passion they share together is really great. Yeah. I think I think it's interesting what you're saying there. I wonder if part of it as well, I, it's interesting you bring up the idea that might be feminizing that idea of like, being good with machines and you might be right i also wonder whether part of the reasoning to do that is that simon is also a massive like book nerd Mm. in a way and whether maybe just to try and separate their both being really really geniuses of their practice hers sort of leans more on less the book smarts more than just i know this stuff more like a natural understanding and his is like he worked forever and went to university yeah. and stuff like that. And so to try and separate them, they have some similarities, but they yeah. also came, approached it differently. Yeah. It's interesting because like Simon, obviously, he's had to study and work really hard yep. to be a doctor. And his sister, River, his yes. sister, the woman, was like, I'm just naturally really smart and genius. I just know everything and yep. intuit it. Interesting. Mm. That's a good point. <laughs> Don't just wish there was more. Don't just wish there was more show. I know, I know. Uh, Jane, let's talk about Jane then, the mm. gun for hire mercenary who, yeah. um, the we, brute, the brute, who probably has the least loyalty to Mal and the ship of mm-hmm. any of the existing crew as we find them at the start of the show. Um, he is 
great. He is the dummy. He is the idiot on the ship. He's the one they can make sort of Homer Simpson's jokes at and he doesn't yeah. understand things. <laughs> and he's bad with language. And um, actually, just a little bit off topic, but I love the scene in Serenity when he starts to, like, he's talking about, Oh, he was just say hey, I something something about Kaylee getting all lubed up every time she and Mal's like get leave yeah. leave this table and like Mal's line yeah, there about yeah. like what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. I really liked that moment, but it shows a sense of like family almost or like definitely that I think it's good to say. Just and then the line on. that he's there was it personal relations or. Human relations is his um, role. <laughs> is James' role? That bit. It's, it's like so. What's his job on the ship? Human relations. Oh, that's right. that. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. The but Jane, obviously, yeah, he's very, very good at being a mercenary. He's action heavy. He's also the one. that's like you don't know what he's going to do at any moment because money is ultimately his. Yeah. Theoretically, money is ultimately his um, motivating factor. That what? being said, yeah. he does have connections to particularly Kaylee. Actually, on the ship, he seems to have a very like brotherly protective nature for you see him in the first episode when Simon's working on her after she gets shot because mm. she's the damsel again yeah for the first time and for many times of being very worried and sits there and he's like clutching his hat or whatever and just watching through the window yeah. make why sure okay. do you think mal keeps him around if he is such a danger to everyone around them? i think he obviously sees his skills yeah like he i mean that establishes that he's good at what he does mm-hmm. um and that's helpful Maybe he sees him as a little bit more expendable, which is helpful as well. Yeah. Um, where he's like, he, like Zoe obviously means a lot to Mal. Mm-hmm. And Zoe also understands when she gets into danger, like what she's doing. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of loyalty there. And so he doesn't have that loyalty from Jane, but he doesn't matter as much as Zoe does. So he can bring Jane along and if he gets shot, oh well. Yeah. Um, I also think he can probably control Jane, which he's smarter than Jane. Oh, absolutely. Who isn't? Yeah. And so the bit in Ariel. That I love that ending scene where he puts him in the airlock and sort of like is going to. That gonna, scene is so good. So good. So good. So good. We get such a great insight into Jane and Mal and their and relationship. Mal, just... And what matters to him and where the line is. And you crossed me and you, you know, you. How you, important loyalty is. Totally. Like that is just at the center of who Mal is. How do you feel about that moment where it's like, what are you going to tell the others? And Mal's like, I haven't really thought about it. He's like, just make something up. Don't mm. tell him what I did. And then he lets, well, he doesn't let him in, he, but he closes the door so he won't get sucked down to space. Yeah. How do you feel about that moment or what that means about Jane and or Mal? I, I like that moment. I think it's a nice, simple moment to show that Jane does feel shame yes, for what he did, definitely. which is important for Mel to see. And when he sees that, he's yep. like, well, there's hope there. He's not just like this it's not callous, just the money. cold-hearted killer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he feels shame about what he did, which is important. Um, yeah, he is very much the comic relief. He has a lot of really funny lines. I love the scene so where funny. he goes to offer Vera to Mel in exchange for Saffron. <laughs> this is my very favorite gun. <laughs> Um, (laughs) and things like that and so we and the only psychological stuff or really in-depth character stuff we get to do with him is probably the stuff in Ariel and ongoing just his feelings about Mm. Simon and River being on the ship Um, but I would have loved to have seen what I feel like there would have been such a journey for Jane to really become a loyal member of the crew eventually or to betray them all yeah and that could have been really interesting it could have been not quite to that extent but the, the spike of it like yeah. Spike from Buffy is like yes. this guy who is 
there's villain tendencies. Who, or even who, to go full villain. It yeah, could have gone either way. Through, like, circumstances is with this team of people that he's kind of stuck with, has to fight alongside, and then slowly begins to understand his own place among them. Yeah. Which, yeah, would have been incredible to see. If only. If only. All right, let's start getting into the rest of our crew then. Well, the people who come aboard um, at the start or during the pilot episode. Mm. Uh, let's talk about Simon and River. Simon. So, mm-hmm. brother and sister. Simon, the genius surgeon doctor from the uh, the Central Planets. He's mm-hmm. part of the Alliance. Very wealthy. And his brilliant genius sister who was... Looks exactly like Zac Efron when they're younger. <laughs> yeah, he looks exactly like Zac, Zac, Weird. Zac Efron. Weird. Yeah, that. yeah. And that's so funny to look back on now. <laughs> I know. Um, Did you ever watch Summerland? No. It's like everyone was in that. And he had a huge gap between his front teeth. It's really cute. Really? Yeah. I got that fixed. <laughs> the, he's, he's a bit of beefcake now. He's ridiculous, actually. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The, and then Summer, genius, who gets taken by the government and experimented on, Mm-hmm. Um, and turned into a bit of a, I don't know, what would you call that? You called her a manic pixie. Dream girl who hasn't slept in 92 days. Yeah. yeah. A very unstable human being. Yeah, just... With secrets, who seems to whimsy be... Whimsy and horror all wrapped up in yeah. a little nightdress. That's not a bad way of describing it, though, mainly because what the show ultimately implies is that she just feels everything, not just her emotions, but everybody around her. She can sort of yeah. as a reader of them. Empath, yeah. And empath, exactly right. Yeah. How do you feel about these two, their relationship, their inclusion in the show, what they mean to the show? Because ultimately, like, they are the... Like, obviously, we've got Mal's history and he's on the run and he's trying to stay away from mm. and just keep surviving in a universe where his side lost the war and he wants to stay independent. You can't take the sky from me. Um, but the real, like... <laughs> The inciting incident for this entire series is Simon and River being on the ship, being fugitives on the Serenity. I'll be honest. Simon and River are the least exciting part of the show to me. Yeah. I'm not overly interested in what they're doing. Really? No, I mean, there there are moments, obviously, but yeah, if I had to rate them, they're probably on the bottom when it comes to interest level for me. And I'm sure that would have changed as we got further and further into what's going on It's unfair, again, without talking about it, that Serenity does help to get us to a place, particularly with River, Mm. that does affect how I reflect back on the show a little bit, knowing where things are going. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just... I I struggle to connect with River. I struggle to... 
I mean, it's obviously I feel bad. She's been experimented on. She's been lobotomized a whole bunch of times, but I don't connect with her. I don't, I'm not going along with her story. I feel quite removed from it. Um, it's ke- you're kept. She's kept out of the show a lot. So like she's in slightly. I'm incident. like I'm kept at. She's literally kept in a show. room yeah. for the first half of this season. Yeah. Um, she's almost exclusively just on the ship. Yep. Um, and in regards to Simon, as the season progresses, I like him more and more, particularly because mm-hmm. he's connecting with Kaylee and we mm-hmm. see a softer side of him, and he's becoming more comfortable because he is so uncomfortable in that situation. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's around a whole bunch of people that he would never associate with. Yeah. Normally, real so, fish out of water. Yeah. So as we go on, I certainly like him more, but yeah, he's. Yeah, he's less interesting to me than someone like Wash or Mal, obviously, or Inara or any of those people, or Jane. Right. Yeah, he's just less interesting to me. I disagree. A, well, if you're nothing wrong, else, so that's fine. If nothing else, I really like the relationship between Simon and River. I think it was it, what I was fascinating again watching some of this with Steph, and she was like, oh man, he is like awkwardly close to this girl. What's going <laughs> on? I was like, they're brother and sister. And she was like, Oh, okay. And actually start to understand it. I think once you... And like, she's obviously very sick and he is trying to protect her and his his whole motivation is just to look after his little sister. Someone who has two older brothers. Yeah. I find their relationship very weird. Do you? Very You don't weird. think that's... No? If... Oh, I disagree. I mean, I'm sure it's sweet, but I was just like, something off about that. Really just feels a little... It's too close. I think it's too close. I think it's weird. Oh, I'm disappointed. That's sad. I'm sorry. For I'm that. sad that's, for you. No, I really, <laughs> no, I really like that stuff. you should be sad for me. I'm sure there's lots of people that have loving relationships with their brothers. I'm not one. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's weird to me to say. Okay. I quite, I really like that dynamic together. I like that Simon, I, I'm similar to you. If I think of the show, especially if I haven't watched it in a while, I always think, oh, Simon's the least interesting part of the show. He's just the boring, you know, goody two shoes, snooty doctor guy. Mm. But A, there's a lot of humor to him. They, he is used to good effect to make fun of. That moment when he's walking onto the ship in his like space suit. And yes. Like so much trepidation. Oh, it's so like, funny. <gasps> or in the in the pilot yeah. when Mal tells him that Kaylee's dead and he goes running in <laughs> to see her and then she just waves back at him. It's like you're psychotic. That's fantastic. That's so good. He's yeah. so he's great for that. He's a great straight man to everything else that's going yes. on. I love when he's like talking about this must be what going mad feels like when like he goes to Janestown. Oh yeah, that's right. All that yeah. stuff's really funny. Um, and then I love that he can be he's so out of his element most of the time. And that's fun to watch him just sort of bumble his way through things and learn, as I think Mal says mm. to Jane at one stage, or Zoe might say it. And then, but I also love it that when it like he is in his element, he's great. Yes. So when, when they're on the hospital, when they're on aerial and they're in the hospital and he sees that doctor killing that guy and just like, he's like, nope. And seeing him turn into like a really efficient and capable Who he surgeon, actually is in the real world. Exactly. No, real world. And yeah, see yeah. him when he's in his original element and, and mm. watching him and even the, you obviously see his longing, like he's done all these things to protect River and his sister. But he does miss yeah. his life. Uh, yeah, I don't mind Simon by himself. It's just unfortunate that in the 14 episodes we have, yep. he is so tethered to River. to River. Someone who I don't see as a person, I don't connect with. Um, I see her more of an object or a plot device than anything else, which is a shame. Because like we've said, what I love about TV is character. And I'm not getting that from 
River at this stage. Well, and I'm so tempted to call her Summer every single time <laughs> I say River. Um, I think that's that's true though. Is that River isn't given a chance to become a person mm. in this in what we get of the show. She is very much kept in her quarters, especially for the first six or seven episodes. To half and, the season, and yeah. they use that, yeah. But it was meant to probably... I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty sure it was meant to be more than a 14-episode season. It got yeah. cut off... It feels like that. ...while they were still making the show's That's first season. bullshit. Yeah, so he didn't even get to get that ending. But the... She's kept up as like... And instead what they do is they focus on the other characters for a while. And they just keep it to the side. And then slowly, once we get to Ariel in particular, they start to get to a point they say, well, she's... Gonna be, she's a bit more medicated. She's starting to seem more like a person. They, she gets mm. to be integrated into the story a little bit. She has that moment in war stories where she kills those three guys, Pretty which scares off. the shit out of Kaylee. Uh, which I love that that like that puts tension between them. They that was the one person that wasn't Simon that Simon that River sort of had a relationship yeah. with, and then that's instantly put on the rocks because of this super scary weird moment. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of wish that moment was played a little differently. Just that Kaylee's like walking away from her being a bit scared. It, it actually gets played off better when we finally get to objects in space and Kaylee retells that yeah. story and it's actually like they were trying to fix that. Yeah. Because you're right, it's presented better and everyone sort of questions it and it's like, no, it was fucking weird. Yeah. Um, and then finally in objects in space, you we do start to explore River the person a little bit. And she's difficult because she has been experimented on. And we talked a, bit, a little bit about this with our Star Trek review, that when you make some, when you're trying to empathize with something that is un- inhuman, it can inhuman? be inhuman or unhuman, inhuman, I'm going to say. Oh. Something that is English, re- recognizably <laughs> or doesn't, feel real to you because they're either an alien in the case of the Klingons in that show or in this case she's been experimented on to the point where she's just barely recognisable as a human right she's just a bundle of like reactions and emotions and gibberish it's hard a fully grown two year old who's just like kind of yeah it's hard to see them as a person because there's nothing for you to recognise in that person and finally in Objects in Space we start to get some of that but it's cut within that's the end of the show. Yeah. And we're cut off before we get to that point with River. Yeah, I think it's I I like where they're going in objects. Mm-hmm. I wish we had little moments of that throughout the season. More stuff from her perspective. More stuff because we see her interact with Kaylee, we see her interact with Simon, but so often it's just these either these wackadoo riddles that mm-hmm. I can't make sense of. Um, or it's, she's just giggling like a little child. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in those moments when she's playing with Kaylee, I would love them actually have like, well, a stilted, but still a little bit of a conversation mm-hmm. there. I think that then when we see her in objects, it's kind of like, oh, now I'm seeing a, a fuller version of that person. Well, even objects is a weakness. The weakness is the fact that Kaylee, uh, sorry, not Kaylee, River disappears for yeah. 20 minutes in that episode and reappears sort of in the middle towards the end of mm. it. Um, and then we have... So I think what Objects in Space got to establishing that we could have fed off is that she started to be one of the crew. She's accepted as being 
okay, you are one of us. That's the next step. And then we get to see her bond with everyone and then we get to know her. And that's what would have happened next because at the end, you get the moment she's playing that game with Kaylee. And so the idea is that she would have then got to be part of their hijinks. She would have got to be part of the plan. She would have got to spend time with the crew. I'm getting depressed again thinking about it. This is it it. though, right? It just was getting to that moment because everybody up to that point just kept saying your sister's nuts. And so they weren't even trying to get to know her yeah, as a person. Yeah, but it's like put her in a corner and we'll, we'll just pretend she's kind of not here. Yeah, they were just she trying to... She can do cute things and it'll be, oh, sweet. Push but, her to the side. Yeah. And only after she saved the entire crew and objects in space would she have been allowed to actually interact with more people. Yeah. In fact... They're like, the, oh, I see your value now. The most significant relationship she had with anybody on that thing who on that ship who wasn't uh, Simon up to that point was probably Jane and that was an antagonistic one where... He what had about Kaylee. Kaylee is. Su- I think Kaylee is quite superficial, though. You're talking about how it's like they get to be cute and play around and stuff, right? Jane and her had had sort of had conversations, like at le- oh, that's yeah, you know, okay, she's baiting him. And, exactly. Yeah. There is this element she, of like you know, tooing and him in the chest. There is this toing and froing. They have an opinion on one another. She knows that he's going to betray them. He sees her as being complete wackadoo and wants to get rid of her mm. or use her for you know, to get to get rich. And so there is actually a relationship between those two. Okay, I'm going to say something really nerdy. I've had to re-put these on the wall a bunch of times. And when I do it, I'm really conscious of what... Who's going where. Who's going where. And it's always important to me to put Jane near River because that is the... It's like Simon River and um, Kaylee because they are the most significant relationships we have. Mal maybe, but only if you include Serenity. Like yeah. the, the movie Serenity. Jane is the most important, like the person she has most character and story stuff with beyond Simon. Anyway, but I agree with you. We were only just getting to that point where River was becoming a person. Yeah. But I like Summer Glass' performance. What she's asked to do, she does really well. You know what I don't like? What? Her English accent. That is terrible. Hello, governor. (laughs) (laughs) So bad. But not what you claim. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. But less than you claim, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think Joss Whedon loves, like... A bad Cockney accent speaking like in riddles. Like we've got Drew. Now we've got Summer Glau doing her best. Oh, yeah, I'm from old London and this is how I'm going to talk now, even though no one from Britain talks like that anymore. Haven't you heard that Joss's favourite performance in movies is Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins? (laughs) Everything he's written is just to try and recreate Bert from Mary Poppins. I mean, I think that's all of our aims as writers. Fair enough. Good on him. We're, He's done well, actually. We're an hour and 10 minutes into this podcast. Let's quickly talk about Shepard Book. Uh, how do we feel about Ron Glass's performance Shepard Book? What do we think about the character? He's great. I want more, 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 more. Who is he? He's sort of a massive Where's mystery he from? box. He's an interesting perspective. Like, just on the surface, him being a shepherd, right? Mm-hmm. Being this, like, especially because you know that Mal used to be a man of faith. He's no shepherd. Yes. Mm-hmm. He used to be a man of faith. Uh, and then sort of now he like he doesn't see any room for there's no room for God on this boat or whatever like one of those lines is that he has. It's like can I say was it can I say grace? Yes, just not, not out loud. Not out loud. <laughs> so there's an obvious t- real tension between those two there. Um, he gets to be this m- uh, religious, moralistic, ethical point of view on things. But what's fascinating about him that would have been great to finally get to know Shepherd Book more is that he obviously lurks in the grey areas as well. He's got a history and we don't know... He wasn't always a shepherd. Yeah, I think when he comes on, Mal and perhaps the audience as well think he's going to be that that pious man, Mm -hmm. that voice to be like, oh no, we can't do this. 
He doesn't do that a whole lot, though. I think he tries to find the moral ambiguity in what's happening. He tries to find a way to live in the grey. He's For a lot of the season, he's not very black and white at all. Yeah. Um, which I think would allude to perhaps his past that we don't get an opportunity to see, unfortunately. Um, and he's fucking ripped. <laughs> yeah, Have yeah. Have you seen that, bud? He's a tank. Mm-mm. Yep. Um, I got lost in... Thinking about his ripped body. Pecs. Wow. <laughs> he can bench, though. He's quite quite he, impressive. He, 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 he can bench. Um what do do you you haven't read the Falop comic? Because a comic called The Shepherd's no, Tale, which does explain yeah. his backstory. I, did you have any theory? I'm not going to tell you what any of that stuff is. Read if you want. No you can theories. find that. Didn't have any theories on what he was. No idea. I was reading an interesting one last night actually, just Ooh, researches and stuff. Yeah. That he was maybe like an undercover um, agent, not an operative like in Serenity, but like an agent of the Alliance. But his role wasn't to get River and Simon. It was more that he was. Like like an anti-corruption officer. So he was sort of inside. So he was following Dobson in the first episode. Right. And that through mm. that, he started to see Simon and River as being like the clues right. to the bigger conspiracy going in, on yeah. inside. Does that make sense in like the episode where those guys are after their old vet friend, Malin's yes. always vet friend. And he's like... You, your jurisdiction, jurisdiction. He understands jurisdiction, right? Interpol, yeah. yeah. And like yeah. what, yeah, he understands that world. That's what this theory was. It was on Reddit and I don't know who did it, but it shouldn't mm. be too hard to find. Actually, the reason I looked it up is because there's the one line that to this day, even knowing what the comic says mm. is Shepard's backstory. The bit where River is like reading minds in Object in Space and his line is yeah. like, I don't couldn't give half a hump if you're innocent or not so where does that place you makes no sense to me i cannot read for a second what that means i don't know what he's getting at there it's so obtuse and mysterious and angry the way it's performed i don't know what they're going for there yeah because so those insights into their mind yes are genuine insights into their mind and not projections coming from we don't river. know but what she project what she projecting from river onto onto um shepherd book there we've got nothing to go on there as to what that would be a mistrust of his piousness his piety maybe i don't, I know. don't, know. I don't know anyway interesting stuff uh a character that i'm sure would have had a lot more depth to him if we'd find, actually got around to seeing yeah. it. But he's a good inclusion. And I like his stuff and he's well-performed and... He's a great member of yes, Serenity. Yes, I agree. Yeah. He's great to have on there. All right. Is there anything else specifically about those characters you want to talk about before we move on? Uh, let me have a look when I just you do, casually unlock my computer. <laughs> you do that. I'm going to start another conversation there. Um, one of the things I also love about Serenity is that it is a very interesting lived-in world on not multiple levels. On one is just serenity itself mm-hmm. i love we talked about on star oh, trek discovery yeah. yeah we talked about a sense of place a lot and how there was that one season of louis which had it for the first time and how star trek discovery doesn't seem to have it no um i don't care about that ship i don't understand its layout i don't feel like it's a real place it doesn't feel like home which well, something that the- people would live in you know, the starship should feel like in a Star Trek show. Yep. The ship should feel like home. It should be one of the most important characters in the show. Yes. It's not. And often Serenity is talked about as being the 10th character 
And mm-hmm. similar to like your thing about how like a love letter to New York is a little <laughs> on the nose. I think saying that, mm, oh, the ship New is York's the 10th character. character. New York, yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Can be a little on the nose. It, running with that theme though, I do love Serenity. Mm-hmm. I love the way it feels. I love the way it feels lived in. I love that Kaylee has a little decorated thing above her bunk. I love that she has the hammock in the in the engine room. Mm-hmm. I love that it feels grungy and used. I love that it's falling apart. The kitchen actually feels like a kitchen, kitchen that's used. Kitchen, the couches. I feel the, like I've had a I kitchen love, like that in a share house personally. Yeah. I love any scene around the dining room where mm-hmm. you've got like the majority of the characters just sitting around eating is so good. And it makes... You believe mm. that these people care about each other, like each other, are actually yeah. human beings. Living and together, yeah. It's so fantastic. If you can make that happen yeah. in a show, you're halfway to me loving you. The and it does it so well. Design, the intricacies of the set, the detail put in, mm-hmm. yeah, creates such a sense of not only place, but of home yep. on this ship. Yep. Which is, yeah, incredibly important. We've got a group of misfits. This is the space where they're going to be the majority of the time. Or when things are going bad, this is where they're going to go back to. So if we have an affection for it, those times in which the family unit and serenity itself are under attack or in danger, we feel it as well. Definitely, Because we as viewers, if we were to lose serenity, yep. we would feel just as horribly as Mal, Zoe, any of the other crew members would, which is so important. Yeah, definitely. So important, in I think, in a sci-fi. Or, would you classify this sci-fi? It's it's sci-fi in the sense that it's set in our space. And yeah, I don't, I don't know how to categorize we, it. But yeah. We live in a spaceship, dear, as Zoe says. <laughs> yeah, that's right. How do you feel about that line? I, uh, that's a very meta Joss Whedon line. Yeah. But I think it's... It made I, me laugh. It made it's me a, laugh too. You know. It's, that's a Joss Whedon line in a Joss Whedon written, I, Joss Whedon directed episode. Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, Joss, I feel you in that moment. Yeah. But I see you too and it's yeah. okay. <laughs> um, but I even like understand the layout of the ship. Like, yeah. I understand. Like, I know where I am when I'm in it. Absolutely. I know mm-hmm. how far, I know where I need to go if I'm going to get to the, yeah. get to the, um, the pilot seat or the yeah. cabin. I know where I need to go to get the engine room. I know where I need to go to get to the, like just looking at it from the outside, like that right there is the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. I know that. Yeah. I, I, I totally understand. I, all those I love the opening to Mel's bedroom. It's right near the front of the ship, yep. near the pilot's chair. And you just kick it with your foot. And walk down. I mean, they're all like that. I love it though. So they've got, I think there's the four crew quarters Sorry. at the start at the front there. And I think yep. uh, Wash and Zoe share one. And then <clears throat> Shepherd Book and um, Simon and Rivers is at the back. And so if you go, it's like at the back near the medical bay. So if you go in sort of straight in through the docking, the loading bay and just go straight through the back room, you'll go to that. Are they I for, know that. Are they for passengers or are they for storage? They're for, those ones are for passengers. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I freaking love that. And then beyond that, um, well, we've talked about there's some weaknesses in the whole like the mix of the Western and Eastern culture without any Asian people in the show. Um, I do love this grungy world as well. The Western sci-fi thing isn't new. No. Lots of shows have done that. Um, another great example of this and probably the prototype for sort of Serenity is 
uh, the anime Cowboy Bebop. Check out Cowboy Bebop. It is fantastic and only lasted one season as well, but it was meant to. Did Farscape have a similar vibe to Farscape it? went a little weirder. A, Farscape's way more that. alien, and I've only yeah. seen enough of it, but I feel like that would have had a set real sense of place and identity to it as well. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, but it is sort of like the opposite of what Star Trek's going for, right? Where Star Trek's all like bright and shiny and new. Mm-hmm. This is very grungy, like, well, what happens when you live on the outside? It's very Star Warsy in a little yeah, ways. Yeah, well, Star Trek is aspirational, yep. whereas Firefly and things similar to it have a more of a realist take on what that would look like, I think. Yep. Yeah. Um, let's just keep things moving here. I also just want to point out that this is just a really fun show. Like, beyond yeah. everything else, and... And moments I'm like... What a romp. Yeah, yeah. It's an adventure. And every and this well, this is a good example of like episodic television too. It's definitely got its serialized stories. Mm-hmm. But each episode, you can pull them out and go, Oh, that's an episode. This isn't like watching The Punisher on freaking that's Netflix. Why this was so refreshing <sighs> because so often complete story. We got yeah. to explore that character and that relationship today. And that was a fun little adventure, that one and so often with shows that we've had to watch recently. Yeah. The episodes have been so long. We can't identify which episode from another one. This season of TV, every episode, mm-hmm. I know which one is which. Yep. I know exactly what's happened. I know what journey we've taken. I, yeah, I know how we have progressed. And yep. every episode is so full. Yes. So full of what's... It's a com- story, it's, it's of a character. It's a complete story mm-hmm. too, though. Like yeah. it is, it has a beginning, middle and end. And Marvel, yes, like Netflix Marvel, wish it was this. Wish it could. Is Netflix do... Netflix Marvel even trying to do this though? No, but in the sense that they they want to be telling rich, interesting stories with like with a like thirteen episodes, 50, 50 minutes. Yep. They can't fucking do it. They don't have the story at all, but mm. they they think they do. This show has so much story, so much character. It's funny. Thinking about now, I think serialized storytelling has become really fashionable. Like the idea of making like an 8, 10, 13 hour long movie, right? And just cutting it into bits. And so episodic television like Buffy or I don't know, CSI is still pretty popular and stuff like that. But those sorts of things became unfashionable to be episodic because let's make them... more like procedurals than... Sure, right. And so, yeah, good point. But those things became really unfashionable. That, That monster of the week thing that Buffy did... The thing is that really works well on television. Yes, it does. To come in every week and have a self-contained story that ultimately does feed into a bigger serialized narrative or maybe doesn't that week. Yeah. Maybe that week we can just have an hour Mrs. Reynolds yeah. and it can just be a fun little romp and we can return to that occasionally and have episodes like that too. Um, but it just keeps things but fresh and well, full. It, full is a really good word for it's it. It's kind of considered old school now to yeah. have it. Like I said, it is so effective. If you have 40 minutes, 50 minutes to have a romp or an episodic event happening, which can and usually does fill in blanks to the larger story of that season as a whole, it is so effective. Mm. And I think moving away from that, for whatever reason, we want to extend the episode, shorten the seasons, extend the episodes and bring the story down to that. Mm. And from a lot of what I've seen, it's not working. It's certainly not as well as a show like Firefly. I think also one of the things that... I think where Netflix... Because we've talked about this so much now. Netflix and Marvel goes wrong 
Mm. And even like, but see, yet Orange is the New... Okay, so like I'm thinking to myself, one of the things that works with Game of Thrones, right, mm-hmm. is that there are so many characters. We can actually leave a couple of characters out this episode and come back to them later. Mm-hmm. Or we're actually moving between like five, six, seven, eight storylines sometimes. And so while it's not episodic, it's serialized. It There's just a, there's lots to fill in that space. Yeah. Punisher... I mean, Frank Castle is our main character and there's a, some side characters, but there's just not enough for 13 episodes. No way. There's just Absolutely not enough. Not. You need to... Daredevil's the same, all of them the same. Look at what you're making and then adjust the season size accordingly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then I was thinking like Orange is the New Black, which has a million characters, but seems to somehow stuff it up a lot too and go for three episodes too long. Well... Orange is the New Black suffers from being unfocused. Yes. And being like, we have so many characters, we'll add seven more every season. And diluting and then it gets, itself. And then it gets lost. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. good point. Okay, let's talk about then, how do we feel about this, exploring this 15 years later? The show is 15 years old this year. Mm. How does it hold up uh, as a show today? Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to compare. Uh-huh. Because television has changed so, so much. Mm-hmm. Especially like from a production technical standpoint. Yeah. So on, I mean, one thing that really popped out at me was how old school, mm-hmm. how dated the fighting style was. I was like, oh, jeez. No yeah. human has ever fought like that, ever. Uh, it's so choreographed. Yeah. Um, and really kind of... Bit, janky in the way that it's filmed and put together so in that way there's certain elements that have dated absolutely mm-hmm. story-wise while the way it's told is certainly from a moment that has passed in television mm. it's still enjoyable to watch yeah um it's so well put together it's like when you read i don't know jane austen the language is somewhat unfamiliar yeah um the, the writing style is obviously of a different era, but once you get into it yes. and you see the craft yep. and you see the story unfold, you're like, well, I'm not going to judge it just because it's not my vernacular. Yep. You judge it on the story and how well it's told and put together. I think that's 100% true. I think it's, uh, if I think about Star Wars as in A New Hope in particular, or even the mm. other two sequels, the original series, you... By modern storytelling movie sensibilities, they are kind of slow mm-hmm. and don't have that much action in them, really. Yeah. Oh, what is this small, intimate indie I'm watching? The the fighting is pretty dorky. I mean, you look at the lights of battle between Obi-Wan and, and Darth Vader. Not a back Vader. Clip to be seen. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's a motive in well, every movement. Yeah, yeah. This is the difference, right? Where things sometimes go wrong is action can then be for the sake of action, whereas in those films, not to critique Star Wars for too much, but... The the lightsaber battles in those scenes are all emotionally character purpose. driven emotional purpose. Yep. They are conflicts between that have emotional purpose behind them. Whereas a lot of them in the original in the sorry, the prequels don't have that. It was nice to see them it's, return it's to that. It's an event in and of itself within the film. But that's not why I'm going to watch Star Wars anyway. Right. And I think the thing is I think one of the easiest things for me to forgive about this show being 15 years old is A, the action, because they just didn't have the budgets to yeah. do that stuff. And if like even if I'm thinking of Buffy, right? Buffy is obviously a show where they're fighting monsters and stuff like that. Do you know what I think about the least when I'm thinking about Buffy when I what? go back to it in my mind? The fight is the fighting. Yeah, me, me too. I yeah. don't think about it. 
Like that's yeah, not the no. things I'm remembering. I'm remembering the character scenes. I'm remembering this, you know, emotional the moment. Deaths. I remember the deaths. I remember so many deaths. The heartbreak. I'm remembering the the quippy dialogue and the the comedy. And I'm never ever thinking about ever thinking about the action because that's not what it's about. And while this is a show that's built around action in some degrees, they they're in hijinks and they're you know mercenaries and those sorts of things. It is. Not at the important it's, it's, thing here. It's, it's just not, the background. It's not to get about the battles. It's yep. about the effect that those battles have on the people within that ship. Yep. That's the focus. So no, it's never going to compare <laughs> to what's happening in Game of Thrones. Now we have fucking epic, seriously cinematic like fight Dragon. scenes, dragons and stuff going on. Mm. No, of course it doesn't compare to that. Yeah. It doesn't matter though. Because it's doing no, I don't the think it other matters. things so well. The other thing that's obvious though is that fifteen years. Um, 15 years ago, television, I mean, it was barely doing widescreen format. I think it was, A, just starting to have some... Uh, I mean, okay, so this show won an award for its visual effects at the time. They look horrendous now, <laughs> like really bad, especially I didn't the first eight episodes. I was watching it on my computer. I really didn't know. Towards the much. end, I think they started to. There's uh, some that are still really bad. Like, they literally yeah. look like PS2, like, <laughs> like cutscene bad, nice. some of them. Some of them they start. What a burn. Some of them they start to understand where they can and can't use a bit better. But mm-hmm. often it's green screen, green screening type stuff. Especially, it must have been the way they filmed it. It's really obvious where the comp- uh, compositing is happening. Right. And it looks bad. It doesn't help that they turn something that probably wasn't filmed to be in HD onto Blu-ray, so I can watch it on my 1080p TV and just Your pick it apart. Screen, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. That being said, it's. I think it's also obvious. I, I don't know whether it was filmed on actual conventional celluloid film or whether it was filmed on digital. But I get the feeling it was either filmed on digital and there were really primitive digital cameras that didn't have great sensors. I'm surprised sensors. you don't know this. I, I'm surprised I don't know. I'm really either. disappointed in you personally. But. Um, or if it was just a really dodgy digital transfer, but it is grainy as fuck. Mm. The anything that's in semi darkness or even I noticed in Heart of Gold, if there is a lot of light. If it's there's white on screen, it becomes really obvious of the digital artifacts right. are terrible. It doesn't bother me ultimately because <laughs> I love everything else that's going on, but it it has it's, it exists. It looks yeah. crummy because of that. And our kids are gonna watch it and just be like, this Ugh. is shit. I yeah. can't sit through it. I really I want them to like remaster the show in yeah. some way. It's like when someone puts on Casablanca, I'm like, Grandpa, it's in black and white. I don't get it. Yep. And then I turn it off. Beyond that though, is there anything else? like 15 years later that stands out as being a weakness or a strength of the show or just... A weakness? I don't think so. No. I mean, yeah, no, It does feel so. of its time. But like Absolutely. you said, once you get into that, I think it... The way in which it tells a story, sure, it feels of its time. Yeah. The effects of its time. But I think we just have to accept that. Yeah. Yeah. And it once, is what it is. And it does such a good job of pulling you in through its characters and its... Yeah. I don't think those things are ultimately stuff. detrimental to what they're trying to do. Yeah. So. Uh, anything else specifically you want to talk about before we start uh, sort of getting into our final wrapping up stuff? So this show is so beloved. Mm-hmm. So, like the people who identify as brown coats, they will stab a bitch if you <laughs> criticise it. I've cut a couple of people. It's yeah, true. Yeah. Like you've done a real river to Jane. Just that. <laughs> Which is nice stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's so, so loved. And every time... You know, it's it's spoken about it with such awe, with yeah. such honour. It's like, oh, it's just, it's such a tragedy 
a, a television tragedy that it was ever cancelled. And I have this this quote. It's written by Emily Asher Perrin um, from the website Tor.com. Um, it's called The Sky is Taken. It's time to get over Firefly. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm ready for this. And so the quote is, most long-running shows have seasons or spates of episodes that we find groan-worthy. Most shows handle a topic, a character, a progression in a way that grates fans and causes strife among the die-hard and dedicated. It's not that there's anything wrong with this. Television is a complex medium that is ever-changing. Sorry. And hitting rough patches in creative projects is basically par for the course. But it is a sure part of the reason why Firefly exists on a gilded pedestal. We never had a chance to grow tired of it. We didn't have enough hours logged to get irritated and confused, to mull over plot holes and missed opportunities. We never got to find out if there was some way to take the sky back and what that would do to the verse. And I think that's something that we do need to acknowledge is that this season or half a season, whatever like the length was actually meant probably, to be. Yeah, probably just over half a season, yeah. Is really, really good. Yep. Wonderful. But I think when you go into calling, which some people do, mm-hmm. one of the best sci-fi shows ever created, I have to pause at that and be like, it's the first chapter of a book. You can't be like, that's my favorite book. I, I, I think it's so unfair to compare it to shows that have 12 seasons. Sure. It, it is a great moment in television. Agreed. Do I think I can say it's one of the greatest shows ever made? I don't think I can because yeah. of what we have. The limited resources yeah, sure. that we have. It didn't, get to, it didn't get to tell its story, so it didn't get to be finished. So yeah. it's like, yeah, calling, like, okay, we painted the first quarter of the Mona Lisa and it looks great, but the that whole picture's not so there. That so good. Such a good corner. Yeah, yeah, but we didn't get the whole thing. Yeah. True. I don't, I don't know. I, um, I certainly think it's easy. I think this is, we want, I want to just put distinctions between best and favourite as well. Yes. Because I, this to me is easily one of my favourite television shows, if not my favourite television show. Right? right, I adore it, mm-hmm. and part of it is because of the mystique around it. There is a certain mystique that comes from the fact it never got to get bad. It was only good. Yeah. Um. And like I said, I actually pine for the version of me in the multiverse that got to see it get bad. <laughs> I they got I, to see it get tired and worn and old and and make missteps. Yeah, I certainly have a yearning when I watch it to oh god, I just I wish. Yeah. You know, I wish, I wish, I wish. But then I compare the feeling I have at the beginning stages of getting to know these characters yep. to the experience the experience I have actually getting to know characters in Buffy, in the American office, in Parks and Rec. Yeah. Very different feelings. And I think one is projection and one yep. is experience. Yeah, I, again, I 100%, I 100% agree. Yeah. The Not to say that you can't call this your favourite. Of course you can. But in terms of is this the best blah, 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 I, I, I personally I can't put it in that category. I just can't. There's the, not enough. The thing, the thing that I would – that my argument would be, if you want to call it best, and I think it's fair to – I think I agree with you. It's hard to say that for a lot of reasons. Mm. But what's – Interesting about when you start saying Buffy and The Office mm-hmm. and Parks and Rec is those are all shows that start that have to build into the mm-hmm. getting to the point where I love them. I 
have been on the record as saying, I don't like the first season of Parks and Rec. I don't particularly like even season two. It only starts to get good for me about the time that Chris and Ben come into the show. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched the US office, but the one episode I watched was the pilot and I fucking hated it because yeah. it was just recreating the other one. And Buffy, season one is not bad, but that's not when the show gets great and that's yeah. not when you're really invested in it. So what we did get a Firefly, yes, was just those opening chapters. Holy crap. I don't know another show that's got me that invested so quickly in those characters, though. It is so successful yeah. at getting at that opening chapter. I've never found... I've yeah. found very few other chapters of shows that have got me in that quickly. Community is my favourite television show of all time. I hated Community when it started. Yeah, right. That's the thing, like, though. I was like, who is this? Jeff Seward. I was like... Mm. It takes... Yeah. 10, 6, 10, 12, <laughs> maybe even a whole season for it to yeah. find itself yeah. and what it really is. It's not bad at I the beginning. I think when I was re-watching the pilot, and it's not perfect, but I was like... Was it's an incredible pilot, pilot right? I, I think this is the, a great first half of a first season. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And I totally commend that. It's just when people are putting it up against yeah. other shows. They got it's, a complete run and got to be on for longer. such an unfair comparison because who knows where the second half of this show went. I agree Who 100%. knows where season two went. How much would we love it? How much would we be like, oh, that's a real letdown. But this is where the love for it comes from too because mm. it's, the, it's the yearning of like, well, all those other shows I love only got better. Yeah. And there's every possibility, not guaranteed, obviously. We can't know. Yeah. Again, I yearn for Parallel Dimension Broad. <laughs> but it might have even got better still as it found its footing yeah. more. And that just is heartbreaking. And that's where so much of it comes from. You care about the characters in just the 40 episodes we get. And you start to care about the show because, fuck, it's working on such a level mm. that n- very few shows get to this early on. And it's yeah. just this, like, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking. heartbreaking. Yeah, totally. And that's where... And I just... I think... It, I... I don't think you're wrong or that argument that you're saying is wrong but if a show even 14 episodes of a show yes it didn't get to tell its story it didn't get to finish itself off if it can make you feel that that's a fucking great show and if you think that makes it one of the best shows okay think about this though there what about faulty towers is considered one of the best comedies ever on television Mm. and it only runs for two seasons i think it has like 12 episodes yeah like it has less episodes uh spaced had two seasons and has about this many episodes no i and they are complete stories but they've just as just as much like screen time if not less yes but they are telling very different stories sure this is trying to be a long form narrative they are setting up so much mm-hmm. so much that we do not get to see this is literally the first chapter of a very long story faulty towers 12 episodes is not the beginning chapter of a very long story that was something i was going to it's ask you actually different. how did you feel about objects because we talked about this with freaks and geeks about like so the ending of freaks and geeks is mm. that no we won't do sports freaks and geeks but it ends in a place that Obviously alludes to how much more story there would have been, but kind of has a semi-end of an arc that gives you some resolution, just a feeling of like, well, I'm glad we got that far. Mm. Do you feel like Objects in Space is an episode, does it? Because I do. I I feel like getting River to feel like, yes, I would have liked, obviously I want to see more of River and get to know her more. Um, and we didn't get that opportunity with her because the show was cut off. But I do like that by the end of the episode, at least I feel like she's a part of the crew a bit more. You get that sense that she, I can project much like what Lindsay was happening with Lindsay at the end of Freaks and Geeks. Mm. I can project a little bit of what was going to happen next. And so yeah. it, I like there is enough of a bittersweet moment there where I can go, it's, it's rounded off its yeah, edge a little bit. I can see like 
a vague outline mm-hmm. of something, um, but it does not feel in any way like an ending, even an open-ended one, an ending to me. It feels like an episode at the middle of a season and I wanted the next one that yeah. never came. So I don't have the same sense as okay. what happened in Freaks and Geeks, no. Um, I see your argument. I I disagree. <laughs> but I totally I understand that. I strong opinion, I, yeah. I, I understand that perspective. Yeah. I think that is a fair. If you want to try and somehow... I mean, this is the thing about criticism and any of these things, though, they're ultimately going to... to they, there's no objective criticism of these oh, things. Oh, of course not. So subjectively, I think I could I could side with someone who wants to say this yeah. is the best television show ever. I think there's a great argument against it. Yeah, I think you're not wrong, but I'm not going to take guess, that away from them. I really don't think you can call it the best series show ever. I really don't. I disagree. <laughs> not that I do think it's the best television show ever, but I definitely think it's one of my favorites. I think you can call it your your favorite. I don't think you can call it the best. I really don't. Okay. <laughs> Agree to disagree. I'm uh, about to be murdered online. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> On camera. That's three oh different angles too. They'll all get it. It's going to be excellent. great uh, for the um, Put on your 3D glasses now. <laughs> uh, we need to start wrapping this up because we're running out of time. Yeah. Uh, do we have some quick fire comments? I don't because I lost my notes. Yeah, that's frustrating. Yeah. I'm going to say just a couple of them that I was meant to get to. We actually already said one. Zach Efron um, was the young Simon, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, something I wanted to say earlier and didn't get around to. If this show were made now... Mm-hmm. MRAs would be saying that Zoe being a warrior and Kaylee being a mechanic was some SJW <laughs> bullshit, which is really sad. Yeah. That, 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 that would be an argument that's like, oh, this is unrealistic and that Zoe's the best fighter on the ship and, ugh. Yeah. Well, I that think... That they just forced diversity into the show is yes. what would be said. That is what would be said. Isn't that fucking but bullshit? On, but on the flip side of that, I think a lot of the marketing would be... How feminist is this show? No, definitely. Look at her. She's a strong woman. Instead of oh, the character just speaking for itself. imagine if this show came out now and like the think pieces around it would be so interesting. Obviously, they get them anyway just because of yeah. its legacy like, like, history. They would just be critiquing the fact there aren't any Asians. Oh, man. I, I just wanted like, imagine if it, this show existed when Twitter was around and like, like oh, the show should have gone for eight years. It should have. Uh, all right. Least- it should have been made now and then it'd be fucking huge. That's okay. the thing, right? It would have got a cult following, would have kept going. This is, it was existing. Well, I mean, this is what happened. Just just to put in a bit of historical context, Buffy was ending. Angel got its last season, and five it, like it all happened in this weird transitional period of TV at the early two thousands. Mm. Um, and it's sort of now morphed into this golden age of television with from The Sopranos to Breaking Bad and so forth to where we are now. Imagine if this show was a Netflix series. I mean, I remember when Netflix brought back uh, Arrest Development and mm. now Fuller House, and everyone's saying. Full house. They, they, they did, did it. Yeah, Fuller House. Bring back Firefly. We'll get to that in a moment. Least favorite and favorite episodes. What's your least favorite episode, Damask? My least favorite episode is episode five, Safe. Um, mm-hmm. Just because, like I've said earlier, I find the Simon and River stuff to be the least interesting. Sure. Um, and I feel like this is just when we see them at the height of their ineptitude. I'm so, ugh. When Simon's completely how, fucking useless. How cumbersome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's why. What's yours? My least favorite episode is The Train Job. And I don't think it's a bad episode. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think there is a bad episode on this show. Just straight up, I don't think there's a bad one. Um, but it is the one that has the problem of having to be the repilot. So it does this thing where it has to, like, reintroduce Wash and Zoe being a couple. Some stuff, yeah. Yeah, and like, re- and, like, say outright, like, Simon has to talk about River and why they're on the ship 
in a way that's completely forced, unfortunately, because yeah. they, they have to. And also Mal's personality change is really jarring. And so you go from episode one to episode two. It, it's almost like I'm just angry at Fox. And so episode two ends up being my least yeah. favorite. <laughs> that being said, though, like there's great elements in that episode two. I, I love the guy who's like the sheriff in the town. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a clever repilot because it just makes really great explanation of Mal and what like, yes, he's a thief. And yes, he's going to take dirty jobs, but he has a line that he won't cross. Um, and just that it's a, like, yeah, it, it's just a great exploration of that stuff. I love that your least favourite ended up... But it's a great episode. Oh, it is, though. Which, it which, is. Which so rarely happens. No, I'm just pointing it out. Uh, favourite episode? Uh, my favourite is episode nine, Ariel. Ariel, uh, okay. I love the heist. Yep. And I'm, like, not a big fan of heist films, but I just love... I love the planning stages. I love the way it plays out. The fact that they don't get to say their lines at the rehearsed. I love the bit when they're so rehearsing their times. lines. And, like... Mel and Zoe are just like, okay, we're going to get this, we're going to get this. And that is such a fun little montage. Yeah, it's really, it's really cute. Um, uh, I love when Mal figures out what Jane did. Yes, that, that moment is great. at the end, it gets me every time. So I love that as well because it was like, yes, Fox told them make Mal less dark. But it's like, but we keep, like, that's a great moment of like, but Mal will still get there yeah. when we need him to. If you cross that line, yeah. this is what's on the other side. He has a real darkness inside him. But he also, yeah. you know, Senses, but he's not a monster. He's not a monster. Yeah, that bit of tension where they're just talking through the glass. It's so fucking good. I love it. I love that episode. What hey, about you? That's a great episode. Um, my favorite episode is episode eight, Out of Gas, which I literally like struggled to hold back my emotions watching that episode. That's mm. the one to me where I look at it and go, fuck, this show shouldn't have been canceled. It's so unfair. So this is the episode where it's like um, a sp- sort of a, a not split narrative is not the way it t- should be but like it time jumps yes so you've got we're see into the present and mal is dying on serenity the the, the, it, the ship is stopped it's blue lighting it's cold and he is falls over in the mm-hmm. holding bay and then we cut back to see what happened um what happened on the ship and then we cut back again so we have three timelines don't yeah we? to him when he meets mm. all of the original crew members and serenity before the pilot and how they made onto the ship and it's so good. It is a great episode. I remember the first time I watched it, I was just amazed and enamored and heartbroken and scared. It was yeah, it was great. It's a great episode. Yeah. And to get a little bit meta, the other thing that's really heartbreaking about that episode, and this is something you learn if you watch the like DVD commentaries and, and um, special features and stuff. Mm. You know, in that episode where he sends the the crew in two different shuttles, they going opposite directions. Yeah. He's going to stay on Serenity. And Wash makes... I love Wash's tension in this episode too, where he's like, I'm not leaving her mail. And I was like, get the fuck up to the yeah. ship and start doing your thing. But the he leaves the button. He says, push this once. When your miracle comes, we'll come back. When the show was cancelled, they took that button and gave it to Joss and said, when your miracle comes... We'll come back. Well, I don't know why you would bring that up now because now I'm really upset. Isn't it? It's so, it's such a beautiful like That's thing. It's sad. Because the beauty of it is as well, they actually did get their miracle. And while That's Serenity, really upsetting. It's yeah, so good, isn't it? That. That's yeah. good. And so there's like, it's a meta level where like I see that moment. I like break down a little bit too. I love we both have tears <laughs> Yeah. It's seriously though. It's yeah. so wonderful. Yeah. And the, they did get that miracle and Serenity is a whole other beast. Like there's a lot to talk about that at movie and it's, yeah, there's it's got good things and bad things about it, but it give and like no, it's not that we didn't get the show back. Yeah, but it did give us an opportunity to at least get some. Con- I'm glad we got something conclusion. Mm-hmm. And 
even beyond that, we've got the comics. So they still come out periodically. There's yeah. not It's not an ongoing series, but every now and then there'll be another yeah. like little side story, which is great. There's been board games. You can play role-playing games. There You've was, got a board game, don't you? I do. I've never even opened the thing. Yeah. I should do that one day. I know. And the... Um, there's also uh, there was meant to be a Firefly Online game where the original voice actors were recording lines Ooh, for it. It didn't happen. It's vaporware. It's never going to happen. Okay. It's just disappeared, sadly. Um, but th- that that sort of to me is like encompasses my feelings about the entire show yeah. and the whole everything that goes with it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, final we lost the war, kids. What can we say? That's yeah. Fine. Final score and ranking. What do you give it out of five, Damask? I'm going to go first. Why? Because mine's obvious. I'm just going to give it oh, a yeah. five. Yeah. Like, I, you, all your things you're saying about how it can't be the best TV show ever or yeah. blah, blah, blah. You're totally right. I don't give a shit. You it's, love what you love. That's I fine. I love this show. Yeah. Watching it this week was a fucking pleasure. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? it I was really enjoyed myself. so good. Yeah. And I love doing that like every year or so when I get yeah. to do it. What's your score? Mine's 4.5. Cool. It's a high I mean that's 4. sacrilege 5. but sure <laughs> yeah it's a high 4.5 I love this show and like I said it's it was a pleasure to watch I just felt like I was I wasn't watching it for the podcast I was just watching it because mm-hmm. I watched it in a day mm-hmm. and I was like this is awesome I want to do this every week I don't um I could I could theoretically I like I will do it once a year if I can yeah um yeah so it's a high 4.5 I love so much of it there are things that I'm like eh there's and it's once again just because we don't get enough. The mm-hmm. I I want to understand who these people are a little bit more. I want to see a bit more of River. I want to get a sense of her maybe a bit earlier, so that when we get to that moment in Objects, it feels a little truer. Yeah. I think. Um, if only this show knew it was only going to get fourteen episodes. I know. Huh? I, know <laughs> I know. It's not fair of me to criticize, but there you go. That's no, you what can. I, that's what I'm here to do. Exactly. Um, yeah, and. Yeah, it's it's a very high four point five, but also the, the, there's no Asians in it. <laughs> you lose I half a that. point for having no Asians <laughs> in you this can't, world. You can't take wholesale Asian culture, including your show, and then not put any Asian people no, in it. No, that's fair. So there you go. Yep, that's my score. Um, last question before we wrap up. Yes, would, I will marry you. What would you like? That would be quite the finale to this season <laughs> of Hunting Season. Would you like to see Firefly return for a new season? So, say Netflix did a rest development season two, yeah. season four, or whatever. I have an answer, but it's kind of spoilery for Serenity because of what happened in Serenity. Because you got Serenity. Because of what happened because in Serenity. Because of what happened because in Serenity. Because of some of the consequences yes. of Serenity. That's, yep. That's I'm not spoiler. sure. It I want work. to. Yeah. Would I, in a perfect world, in which maybe we could remove Serenity we could, we could from ignore canon. Serenity. That's, that gets done. If we Apparently, did. Apparently, um, Will and Grace ignored its season finale and just like, it's like they pretend it didn't happen, the new seasons. Pretends the season finale never happened. Did they? Yep. Oh, we okay. could just ignore Serenity completely. Um. Okay. Um, they totally so if they it. did that. Yes. Yes? Yes. You would have it come back 15 years later with the same cast and stuff? I think so. I think that would be really exciting. Would you? I I don't know. (laughs) I actually don't think I would. I think it might be too late. Right. I think the best you could do is like an animated show or something like that. But even (gasps) that wouldn't feel right. I'd like an animated show. What what would be wrong with that? I just... it, It would be... It's so... Okay. The thing, the thing is, A, you're coming back to it 15 years later. Everyone's mm. aged. Like, you've got to basically... If the show's going to be the same, you would have to do what Twin Peaks has done and, like, move everyone 15 years yeah. and have them have had their journeys. 
So yeah, totally. I'm not saying that they're playing themselves like it was as yesterday. they were. I'm worried that's what people. Would, I think it would be oh. so divisive, right? No, no, because no. if it came back and it wasn't the same thing, people would be like, "This isn't fucking Firefly. Why'd you bring it back?" And if you did do the same thing, it's like, well, this doesn't make any sense. No one's evolved in 15 years or they all look too old for their parts or whatever, And right? Mel's just a bit puffier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all that sort of stuff. I think it would be very, very, very hard to do. I just think we're just that too far gone right. now. If it happened five... Like, imagine Serenity was a success, the TV, the movie, and then we got a new Firefly TV show. Totally could have happened. Even if you did have some of the consequences from the show, which I understand that that makes you trepidous no. about... Um, about doing that but the I it might just be that we have to live with this the bittersweet feeling of just having what we've got accepting that we got this beautiful little gem that this little bright firework that lasted just yeah. a moment and just live with remembering that for the rest of us yeah am I am I rallying for there to be a season two of firefight no I'm not if they brought I mean, it out in either animated version down for it if it came out and they were putting it 15 years later yeah i'd be down for it most likely depending on like how it works out but I'd, the idea of it, I'd be like yeah cool if they brought it out in which it was just after serenity yeah or somewhere in between no i'm not interested in that because it doesn't make any sense because they look so different they've aged yeah. 15 years i um it's funny. It's like I'm just thinking about this. I wonder if part of my like I don't I don't think I want it back is me just trying to not like get my hopes up. Like I don't want to think about it because it hurts too much. If they announced Firefly mm. season two coming to Netflix 2019, you would lose your shit. I would lose my shit. <laughs> like I I legitimately would. I yeah. would probably just like yep cool can't wait. Yeah. But uh, as it stands, no, I don't think I want it. Fair enough. <sighs> sucks um all right i think we're gonna wrap it up then i think so excellent if you'd like to find us uh on social media and talk to us communicate with us you can do so by searching for hunting seasons on facebook you can find us on twitter at hunting s cast you can email us at hunting seasons podcast at gmail.com you can find myself broderick gordis on twitter at b gordis b g-o-r-d-e-s damask you can find me on instagram and twitter at maskymo m-a-s-k-y-m-o-o thank you very much to sean kirkpatrick for our wonderful hunting seasons logo and graphics you can find his work at seankirkpatrickdesigns.portfoliobox.net also thank you to jordan calavis for our wonderful hunting seasons theme song you can find his work at soundcloud.com slash classic jrex please if you've enjoyed uh listening to or watching today uh this episode of hunting seasons consider giving us some uh reviews some love on social media on your podcast podcast platform of choice um helps other people to find us share us around is the big one that'd be great subscribe i guess on youtube now since we go up on youtube that's cool um (laughs) next week there will be no hunting seasons because we're going to take a little bit of a break this is the finale of season one of hunting seasons we will return sometime early in 2018 we will um not sure exactly when probably january ish late january early feb we'll see i feel like it's gonna be late jam but yeah we'll see we'll see how we go um what we do know is we will be discussing the wire that's right. I totally forgot. What Did you? Yeah. So yeah, we'll be trying to get be. through uh, the wire. So going back to shows that are renowned for being fantastic and going mm-hmm. back to them, much like we did at the beginning of hunting seasons, we'll be returning them. So you've got some time to catch up and start watching some of the wire before then. Yep. In the meantime, thank you very, very much for listening to and watching hunting seasons this year. We will see you in 2018. Catch you later. Bye.
Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. Earbudsnetwork.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.